On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're getting down with the crown as that show returns for its fifth season on Netflix, going to the seaside with James Corden in Mammals on Prime Video, and heading way out west with Emily Blunt in The English on BBC One. And speaking of which, Emily herself is on the show a little bit later on, joined by her co-star, Chaske Spencer, and the English showrunner, Hugo Blick. I'm Liam Hemsworth, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a show that I will now be taking over as James Dyer apparently has better things to do, like, I don't know, playing Superman. Uh, I am, however, joined by my usual co-hosts, Boyd Hilton and Kay Ribeiro. How are you? Well, it's taken us uh, 42 minutes <laughs> to get this podcast underway, and, you know, we're dealing with it, aren't we, Kay? We're dealing it's been with grueling. It. Let's just say technical issues <laughs> have so far hindered mm. the recording of this very podcast. That's that, very kind of you. Yeah. What you actually mean is my colossal ineptitude well, at making the desk yes. work. <laughs> you know, the cap But fits. we're keeping our energy levels high. That's the main thing. Yeah. And yeah. Boydie, you're on holiday. I'm on holiday. This is your holiday. This is staycation. It's such a staycation this week that not only am I staying in London getting my boiler fixed, thanks to all the listeners who are inquiring good, about my good. boiler. Will you be wearing the good the news sweater is, while you uh, get the boiler fixed? Do you know what? Last night, for the first time, I thought, actually, I'm slightly missing not being able to put the heating on because it got quite cold in it last night. Um, put the sea jumper on. Yeah, but I didn't. I'm fine. So, yes. yeah, the, the boiler's the being fixed. and the sea blanket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the sea, just the general all sea covering. All the sea gear. Yeah. Mm. But the boiler man is coming tomorrow, Friday, as Ooh. we call this. What's his, his name? His name is Sylvester. Oh, Sylvester, oh, wow. Sylvester, which is a really good name, and he's a really nice guy. He's the kind of fix-it man who's getting the plumber to come. So I don't even know Hang actually on. the plumber. You have fixer. a Ray Donovan esque fixer. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. He's who's like hooking you up yeah. with a plumber. In the in the um development where I live, yeah, this guy is kind of he's like fixes things for lots of people in the where in the development in the, in the blocks where I live, yeah. Wow. Um so yeah, I don't know. Well the, thank God the, for the plumber, Sylvester. Him or herself is a mystery. But mm. Sylvester is a brilliant um is a brilliant dude. Sly. So shout out to Sylvester. We have our very own Sylvester yeah, on the Sly. podcast next we week. Do. But we'll get onto that a little bit later on. Very excited. So I'm not gonna lie, guys. Uh it's been a rather challenging week for me. I can't. Uh, Why, I, I can't deny it because uh, first up, as I alluded oh, to, in this my is news though, isn't it? Ever so weird introduction. You, yeah, oh yeah, I'm, the, the format is going this out is the window. What happens every yeah. now and then, Kay? Yeah. He, he news happens that's so <laughs> earth-shattering that James completely throws the whole structure yeah. of the podcast out the window. Yeah, it happens, and it's happening oh, is now. This it's this happening how, now. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, no, no. Okay, so 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 Liam Hemsworth, who I have nothing against personally. <laughs> But he is replacing Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. I did a whoosh last week and dropped this in because it was... Did you? Oh, my God, it's that important. Yeah. But, so that was the first thing that happened. And then two days after that, or however many days after that, Netflix dropped (laughs) the bombshell. They have cancelled... Fate the Wink Saga. I mean, I mean, what, the actual... what is happening to? But also, these things coming through. Like, what the fuck next? Is Titus Well ever going to get struck by lightning? No, like, that'd be never the end say of Bosch. That. Like, what? What's mm. what's Take next? It back. What's Take next? That back. Is there a helpline you can call? There might be. You like when Take a That Split helpline. <laughs> Was there a helpline? We take that. Split? Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. Famously, James. People but take anyway, it very badly. Yeah, really badly. But anyway, yeah. Hopefully, there's one for you too. Maybe. Are we going to run through all the other show that has been recommissioned that you really like? So that? Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Sandman. So this, this is again. Yeah. So we're, we're yeah. Just, this is news now. This is news. This point. So yeah. yes. So Netflix taketh away with one hand yeah. and giveth with the other. With the other. Hand. Yeah. They have cancelled Fate the Wink Saga, and they have renewed. Sandman. Both mm. things, I would argue, are quite surprising. Well, maybe one of them. Well, but I think Sandman did better than you, than than you th- we thought. I maybe, think. yeah. Because I, I did. It, I thought that was the end of it, and I'm really pleased it's been recommissioned because it was great. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, Boy, but good. I think the Winks are clearly dis- must be disappointing in the old uh, ratings. Yeah. No more Winks. No more Bloom the Fire Fairy. Like, what are we going to do? 
I really don't know. Sleep easy. Uh, did you ever watch? Did you finish season two, boy? I didn't finish it. No, I, I watched. Um, I watched two episodes. Yeah, and um, I was slightly annoyed, annoyed that the thruple just petered out. The thruple did um, end. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is when we. Well, I guess we're now into what we've been watching. So, what I did this weekend. <laughs> oh my god, is, this is a hot. It's a hot mess. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, strapping guys. This is going to be a bumpy <laughs> ride. I watched this weekend the whole of season two of Fate the Wing Saga. I powered through it, only for them to cancel it literally two days later, and I was just like. Oh, come the fuck on. Like, honestly. It was to spite you. Maybe it was. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was. Because yeah. I had to build an IKEA wardrobe. And I thought, what can I watch that doesn't require massive amounts of focus while building this IKEA wardrobe? So I put on Fake the Wings and I went all the way through it. Well, it took a long time to build this wardrobe. It's not as good as season one. Mm. Well, you don't, in many ways, it's, you don't need to worry about it. In anymore. many ways, it's not also good but i did oh, enjoy yes. it these are telltale signs why it might have been yeah, yeah like like and, and some like listeners have been going oh god i'm so upset i really enjoyed season two i was like i, I mean it was fine but i the season two i felt like it, it lost what made season one very good they got this whole blood witch plot didn't really mm. work for me mm. but they do that there's a big cliffhanger like i'm not going to ruin it for those of you who knowing it's been cancelled wish to watch season two of fate the wink saga but it ends with Bloom in a situation which is unresolved. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh We're never now going to know. I do think that if you compare it to, because I did watch a couple of episodes and it do remind me that it's a little bit basic, isn't it? Like even the special, even the visual effects. The visual effects are not great. Not but great. there was a big article on a website. Was it The Wrap? It was something like that where someone just wrote an article and the title was just, these fairies fuck. And it was showing how edgy wow. this was and how this is like fairies that are all having sex and swearing and there's violence and blood and stuff. Yeah, but not like the boss son of the thing not quite on that level yeah no. that's yes. that i mean it's unfair to compare but that's just better isn't it it is better oh. it <laughs> is better right. but the thing with winks is there's something quite comforting about it and i remember when we watched winks the first winks mm. it God, was this during... feels like a eulogy yeah, well, I mean, like, it is, this exactly is, this what is it a is, eulogy yeah. for Winks. But there's like, only we... one eulogy in the world for Winks, and it's happening <laughs> it's right, happening now. right <laughs> now. You are witness to it. Yeah. But like, so it was during lockdown, and and I remember someone saying, you know, what has been the most surprising thing that uh, you know that you found really comforting during lockdown? And I went weirdly, fake the Winks saga, because there's just something quite wholesome because it's like takes place in a boarding school and it's in some sort of fairy world, and it's just there's something that just was it was as far removed from life in COVID yeah. as it was possible to get and I found that strangely strangely appealing there's all this like weird this, I forgot all the weird elements there's like weird fencing lessons they all have oh it's the specialists so the school has yeah. the school has fairies of various like there's yeah. light fairies and water fairies and mine fairies and fire fairies and stuff but they also have specialists <laughs> who were basically like random guys and girls who are training to be ninjas with swords yeah and they're like kind of Aryan you know a little bit strapping yeah. Aryans yeah they all look like Alex Pettifer yeah basically mm. they do exactly yeah. 100% <laughs> they're like Alex Pettifer yeah, yeah. So yeah, but anyway, okay, well, so the fairies are gone. The fairies are done. They've cancelled the. Fairies. Kudos to you though for during your week of hell for um, posting the video of your um, haunted house. Oh yes, on your barbarian style staircase down to the basement. Barbarian yeah. is the film. Yeah, yeah. It's on. Yeah. It's on my Insta stories now. Yeah. As we record, oh my which god, means they will case. be gone by the time this oh, goes you out. Got, isn't there any way you got? You just got to repost it every few days. <laughs> just post it on your main feed. Put it on your main yeah, feed. I'm quite selective. It's, it is that staircase is genuine. I didn't believe you. Yeah. In last when we were going on about it last week, but it is absolutely it's properly extraordinary, barbarian. properly barbarian. Mm. The film, um, yeah, it's fantastic. The, the art direction is superb. In my photo, thank you. Yeah, in your photo. Yeah, uh, yeah you have to repost it. It's then, a don't. scary ass picture of a scary what, ass house. What the actual hell? One of our listeners actually um, messaged me and said, "Oh, could you let me know?" Where, where the house is, is. Yeah. where can we go? If you're interested, I'm it's called Coma Edge, and it is in Dartmoor near the village of Lustley. 
<laughs> lastly, <laughs> this is this is that other film, the men film. Yes, what's his name? Exactly. Is, yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, everyone did look a lot like Rory Kinnear. That yeah, was uh, yeah. I hadn't really tweaked that. But yeah, so it's got a scary ass yeah. basement, and and I didn't take a picture of the rows of twenty odd shoes, which were very near the basement stairs. Did, did um, you include a picture of the dolls in the uh, the dollhouse? Yes, the doll, I did include the, the dollhouse. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. and I didn't put the rocking horse up, but I did include the weird Victorian high <laughs> chair, much. which was sitting in the corner of the kitchen. Uh, which this is, whole thing must be owned by like a horror film. Freak. You would think, but it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's a scary ass place. But yeah, comb edge. Fantastic. There you go. Okay. I don't know what I don't know what their their Airbnb listing looks like. I don't imagine it looks quite as creepy as the reality. Oh, because you didn't book but, it, did you? No, I didn't book no, it. Right, I just turned up right, yeah. and was just scared by it, like the, like the woman in Barbarian. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what what have you been watching, buddy? Uh, I have been watching. First of all, I've been catching up. I'm still watching AHS NYC American Horror Story NYC on the American iTunes. So it, it arrives because it goes out on Wednesday nights in America yeah. live on the Fox Channel via Hulu, whatever the, whatever the hell it's called. But by the time Thursday morning, just before we record this podcast, you get the and they're showing two episodes a week. But get this right, Russell Tovey posted a um, rap thing saying we've rapped on AHS NYC. <laughs> I thought you meant like, a literal rap. About three like, days. Yo, 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 we've... That kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. No, no, W-R-A-P. Okay. Uh, literally about three days ago. So, put it, put it, do, you do the math. Okay. It's looking <laughs> like a man. They finished filming three days ago. Yeah. It's, they're on the fifth and sixth episodes of 10. They go out and double bills every week. Talk about making it hard for yourself. Mm. And they're st- still editing. They just finished shooting. They're still editing. This whole thing just, it, I've never known such a quick turnaround. Is this it's the one that you were like really annoyed about not knowing when it was going to come out? Yes. yes. And you finally yes. found a way of watching it? Oh, yeah, because you didn't do the podcast last week. Yeah, and you, and you don't listen to it. So, um, uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's not. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's watching an endurance it on, test doing it with you now. I'm watching it legally to... on American iTunes. Fine, pa- okay. Yeah, because I'm so desperate to get for it because yeah. I want to see it. But the, the, the five and six episodes, episode six, episode five is a little bit, I don't know, there's a lot of tarot going on. <laughs> just, just Let's just say. But episode six, there's a whole thing going on in Fire Island. And it's fantastic. And um, there's a big Just to Kill vibe. Just to Kill, one of my favourite films of all time, Brian De Palma, who should have been on the oh Empire <laughs> for horror director's list thing. We, we did our comedy Mount Rushmore this week. Oh, God, no matter yeah. what things you've got wrong this oh, week. Oh, you'll have to listen to Don't tell me you've forgotten Woody Allen. Yeah, he's not on it. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, come on, he was just you really need to it. get me involved in this thing, I tell you, because <laughs> my opinions are better. Uh, anyway, Brian De Palma's Just to Kill, one of my f- top five favourite films of all time. And there's a clear um, tribute to that in this episode six of um, American Horror Story NYC. And it's just, it's really entertaining. It's definitely the best um, Ryan Murphy thing for a long, long time. Um, I'm playing for time because my computer's just gone blank and I need to get the other list of what okay. I'm watching. Up okay. here it is. <laughs> so AHS NYC, God knows still when it's going to come to the UK officially on Disney Plus because they still haven't told us. Then I decided to catch up with the old man. I was right. just scrolling around on my week off um, Disney Plus and thinking, oh, I've had a look at what they've got. And I remembered how much I liked the first episode yep. of the old man that we reviewed officially. And I caught up with it. And it's because the whole series, the series finale uh, arrived. Have you caught up? Oh, you I watched, watched, the, you watched all, the whole thing. Didn't I watched you? the whole thing weekend. through. Yeah, yeah. What a fantastic series! It right, is. it's absolutely in the top five. I think it's of the brilliant. Year. It's absolutely it's brilliant. brilliant. I didn't realise that it wasn't because my understanding was because it's an adaptation of a book. I thought it yeah. was a complete series, and it no. was done. And if they would continue it, I thought they were just going to come up with another story. But it's actually—I mean—it stops on a cliffhanger. Like, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think they've, they've, they've recommissioned it. Yeah, 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 they have. Yeah, so we will get more of it. Yeah, we'll get more. It's of great. It. Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow, absolutely mm. phenomenal. Jeff, the dogs. I know I banged on about the dogs when we reviewed it, but the dogs are. So so brilliant. Yeah. They're literally acting, Kay. Mm. They are 
they have to do loads of stuff. Like, like they have to comfort him when One he of them needs comforting. Leer. Yeah, right. And um, they have to be aggressive when they need to be aggressive. I've got they to watch this. I haven't watched any of it. Phenomenal. It's very good. It's so good. And but I tell you who the real most valuable player of this series is Amy Brenneman. I love yeah. Amy. Think about how brilliant she because she was in The Leftovers. Yeah, she's got she's brilliant amazing. Shining Girls. But her um, character in this, her is character like, is, is like does yes. some unexpected yes, things completely. There's a brilliant moment in episode yep. two where the thing happens and you think oh my god this is unbelievable and then it turns out to be a thing yeah it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a fantasy sequence yeah, it's a fantasy it's sequence, a fantasy sequence. Um, yeah. but it's so brilliantly done I, I've, I, I, I think fantasy sequences well, I tell you what's become a real cliched trope to use one of my least favourite words is to start off an episode of a peak TV prestigious TV drama with a nightmare that one of the characters is having mm. and they and it's just about realistically enough depicted so you think oh this could be happening mm. an extreme situation then it, then it uh, turns into a nightmare and they wake up it happens a lot with prestige TV now, a lot. But what was brilliant in The Old Man is those, there are moments like that, like the one in episode two, but they happen in the middle of it, like someone just, is, and yeah. it's just someone's thoughts drifting away. It into, transitions into yeah, this fantasy Yeah, it's so sequence. clever. That was one of the most shocking sequences I've seen all yeah, year. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like proper jaw on the floor. Yeah. And they go, oh, thank God, it was a fantasy sequence. <laughs> yeah, so The Old Man, everyone, seven yeah. episodes, it's all there now. Very good. It's, it's, it's one Which of the best channel? things of the year. Uh, Disney Plus. Right. Um, and that's about it. Finally, I wanted to mention how the best show on TV is obviously uh, Michael McIntyre's The Wheel. I'm only saying this because someone <laughs> challenged me to mention this on the podcast to yes. annoy James. And as, unless Michael McIntyre is in The Wheel of Time, I don't want to know. <laughs> but let me just say this very quickly. I did tweet about this at the weekend. It's ridiculous that The Wheel is now on at like five o'clock before Strictly, Kay. Yeah. Whereas Blankety Blank is on after Strictly at about 8.39. No, yeah, the, the Wheel, wheel be has got to be after. Because yeah. it's the big bold hour-long blankety blank still going it's still going just it's, it's still going, and going for like 40 years yeah but they keep reviving it don't they bradley walsh currently Jesus. doing a good job i mean i've nothing against blankety blank it's was actually it quite Tarbuck good fun. originally i can't remember no it was les dawson les dawson, les dawson did it, it and yeah. um, then i think what's the name did it oh lily savage lily savage but the, oh um yeah, paulo grady paulo grady david williams i just did a one-off one a couple of christmas ago but anyway yeah i'll stop talking about blankety blank all pens 100% you'll okay, love it you should, you should try it out yeah. but Michael McIntyre's Lua which is the best entertainment show on television bar none has to mm, be on in a later strictly. slot and I'm using my bully pulpit of this <laughs> this, which a lot of people in the industry listen to let me remind you a lot of people BBC, a lot of BBC people say to me yeah, they love the podcast yeah loads to say they should really switch those around the they definitely them. should yeah yeah. There well, we go. let's see if they listen to you, boys. <laughs> let's see. And replace both of them with Bait the Wig Song <laughs> no! and having bought it off Netflix. Come on, people. Okay. Oh, what have you been watching other than Blankety Blank? <laughs> I haven't been watching uh, Strictly, but I won't get into that. Right. The Watcher. And, guys, I wish I hadn't been a watcher of The Watcher because you, you, I know you've discussed this a bit. Boys yeah, a bit. Yeah. Um, I watched the first episode and I thought, mm, I don't know if this is for me, but I don't know. I just thought, you know what, keep on going. It was like I had a cold, wasn't going to go out at the weekend, thought, plow on. Watched all seven episodes. Now, as Camp Horror goes, it is good. And I think Mia Farrow is brilliant as the wacko neighbour. So props for all that stuff. But by the end of it, seven episodes in, I was so furious that I'd watched it. I was like, <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything, but yeah, I was 
yeah, I was just like, just why have I sat through this? It's just because the ending is, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when I said when I watched the last episode, uh, the general feeling on the internet is that the ending is, t- it's been described as like the worst <laughs> ending ever. You know how <laughs> the people do those um, tweets, don't they? Like the papers do those things where they find some extreme yeah, yeah, tweets yeah. about program and they go, everyone's they saying the tweets. same thing yeah. about this show. Well, they're not really. You, you found three people saying the same thing. Mm. It's not the worst ending ever. It's just, I found it, it's is, it is just pointlessly nothing the ending. But also I just found there's too many switcheroos, too many rug pulls, too many, you know, I was just bored. I, I found it frustrating. Mm. So, the man, um, you know, the mad, you know, the guy he meets in the kitchen, yes. who somehow arrives in the kitchen of yeah, his yeah, own yeah. volition, who may or may not be a serial killer. You know yeah. that character? He plays um, Russell Tovey's partner in American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so I watched <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe you should, instead of watching The Watcher, you should watch The Witcher. Oh, mm, I don't I know. I don't know. I mean, no, don't bother. So I was disappointed have they by that. The Witcher yet? No, they have not. In <laughs> fact, the, the the Witcher prequel series, The yes. Witcher Blood Origin, comes coming to us on Christmas Day as yes. the best Christmas. Is it Christmas ever. Day? Yes, that's the Christmas Day that's thing. Christmas oh, Day. That's I mean, what we're all going to be doing on Christmas Day when we're opening our presents. We'll be no, watching The Witcher um, Blood will Origin. We, will we though? It's um, no you, is it? You, we want you on Christmas Day. That's what you want. Of course, you want me, boy. I understand that. Instead, you're going to get The Witcher, which is the closest thing you possibly get to me. So it's fine. Four of you in italics. That's what I meant. Uh, the other thing that I've been watching, which was le- wasn't disappointing, The White Lotus. So I've now watched oh. five episodes deep. Have you? You've watched five, right? I, you, I, again, I've said on the podcast I was up till two AM watching those five episodes. Yes. Yeah, you talk. No, I was here for that. Um, it, do you know what I? Re- I have been enjoying. I don't. Originally, when I watched the first episode, I was like, "Oh, this is better than the first one." I don't know if it necessarily is. It's just it's different. As good as. It's yeah, and it's different I mean, because it's it's slower. The pace is like you know it's set in Sicily it's got that seductive slow you know slowness so it is different and it's less about you know the dynamic between the staff and the guests like I mean the manager has got a, a big role and I think she's fab she's uh, Sabrina Impassiatore as Valentina oh, hello good. yeah write that down just, um, just been practicing that for a few yes. hours um, and <laughs> <laughs> and she's really good but it's less about you know with the first one it's so much about the dynamic between the guests and the staff which I really enjoyed but I have to say Aubrey Plaza absolutely steals the show with Will Sharp as Ethan. I think mm. they're the best thing. She has about unparalleled it. eye roll energy. Oh my God, yeah. yes. And, she, and her whole entire character is an eye roll. In yeah, this, in this, yeah, totally. In this. And just, resting bitch face. She's just amazing. Yeah. Does I Theo James's swinging cock make another appearance or is it just in the first No, it was just a one off. Right, okay. A one off swinging cock. So far, cock. that's yeah. enough, I guess. There's two more episodes though. I'm desperate, desperate yeah. for six and seven to arrive. But um, I agree with you. But the interesting thing, that, that, the end of episode five, first of all, OMG. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was. Oh, what were you shocked oh at? God. What were you shocked at, though? Well, you can't say. Well, you can't say, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a shocking moment all round. Yeah, kind of. Oh, I've oh got... my God, you've become so inured. Is that the word? <laughs> to, you know, what? You're I'm like, so... oh, whatever. You, I... for, I'll tell you what, right, the actors involved, yes. that's all, uh, the, the, the act, and just the general, the, just everything about it is... I don't find it super shocking. I mean, it, oh, wow. it's a bit of a okay. twist, I, but... Um, just alluding, like, just talking about one of the characters, there's this Essex character in, and at first I thought, oh God, he needs to dial it down a bit because he was so sort of like OTT in his Essexness. Do you know what I mean? It was very ramped up, it felt. But actually, I thought he was a good character. Oh, he's and fantastic. He, yeah, I mentioned he is. Also, yeah, his, Essex, his Essex dialogue is so authentic. That I was yeah, saying yeah, how yeah. Mike White must have just let him improvise that, yeah, or let's yeah, let yeah. him adapt to the, the dialogue. No, he was To his Essex good. Uh, lingo. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been watching, James. What have you been watching? Have we already discussed that? Well, there was obviously Fate of the Wings, but I do have 
a small confession to make. <gasps> you watch the Kardashians? No. Okay. Strictly. So, Boyd, <laughs> you voted Tony Adams. Halfway through this year, <laughs> yeah. halfway through this year, we did a half year review. Oh, yeah. We where did. we did the best shows of 2022 so far. Do you mm. remember what the number one and two were? No. I think number two was Shining Girls. Oh, okay. Number one was Severance. Oh, yeah. Which you. The didn't thing that I haven't mentioned watch. is I may not have finished Severance. Of course you didn't. Because uh, I got distracted by other things like, you know, fairies. Mm. So I, I never finished it. And, and I, I only recently remembered that I hadn't finished it. So I went back yeah. and I powered through the last. And it was quite a few. I was only halfway through it. I only got to the halfway oh, point. Yeah. I powered through the rest of it. And again, this should surprise absolutely no one since you guys picked it as the show of the year yes. back in the halfway. It's fucking great, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Yeah. It's really good, it says James, late to the party dire. Wow. And they've just started uh, shooting on yes. season two, which uh, I saw. Uh, yep. My initial reaction to the fact that the, the announcement of shooting is why the fuck, why have they been waiting for? I yeah. mean, come why on, taking so get your act together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so good, but there is a moment in, it's quite an early episode, so it's not a spoiler at all, where there is is a music dance experience oh yeah where yeah. one of the supervisors cavorts around behind a working man who's completely <laughs> sort of stony faced and now this is a bit inside baseball but in the empire office chris you, you may know does impressions of people he does a very particular danny boyle impression and that sequence was so reminiscent of nick Desamlin trying to work <laughs> and chris cavorting about behind him doing danny boyle oh, that i was on the floor laughing i just couldn't i just wow. couldn't get over it it was fucking hilarious and that whole show and the ending that final episode so much happens it is incredible i will say this is another one of those shows and i appreciate that everyone listening is going uh james we watched this at the beginning of the year what are you talking about but for those of you who have yet to watch severance i will say it's a real slow bone at start like it does take a few episodes <laughs> i thought you said slow so bone i think you said slow bone did i say yeah, slow bone let me do that again keep that in no no, no. keep it in no, keep, keep it in keep it keep it in keep it in keep saying slow bone <laughs> Oh, no, keep it in. That's we, brilliant. Yeah. And the brilliant thing is you didn't even realise. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a slow boner of a show. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it's a slow burn. It is a slow burn. And you go in, like, the first, like, few episodes, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure. I liked it from the get-go because I like the feel of it. But it's not until the second half of the season that it really just, like, yeah. becomes propulsive and, and, and incredibly compelling. But, uh, yeah, great. So, so <laughs> yeah, for those wondering, Severance, which has been, I don't know, airing for about, what, 10 months at this point? Yeah. It's good. You should watch it. <laughs> yeah. So can, that's can uh, all agree on that. that's the other thing that I've been watching this week. Uh, I haven't watched the most recent episode of Andor as we record. I'm going to watch it tomorrow morning. No, right. But uh, looking forward to that very much. I actually have uh, nine and ten. It's been in my queue. Like I got the I got the advanced press screeners, but I haven't been able to watch. Oh, what? I don't, do you know? I've stopped checking my advanced press screeners. Ah, there you go. Yeah, okay. That's Get your Andor on. Yeah, that's good to know. Get your Andor away. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that was good. That was good. That's what we have been watching. Time now for the post bag. Let's see what's in store for us today. Now, have you done your? I feel like you should have curation. a sound effect on this. Like do we think rustling do we, post a post bag sound yeah. effect or a little like a fanfare, some kind of noise, Something like that, a post bag yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I quite like a fanfare. All right, I'll see what I can come up with. You've got mail. Right. What have we got here? So Emma says, question for the postpack. Getting a bit bored of tedious American shows on Netflix and have started investigating the international titles. Loved Call My Agent, The Chestnut Ooh, yeah. Man, Lupin, and just yes. watched The Empress, brackets, The Crown in Vienna in olden times. <laughs> Trying with a money heist, but what else would you suggest is worth a watch? And what are we missing? I, I tell you, um, because and this is in my mind, because the new series starts in a couple of weeks time, which is Elite. Elite yes. is the Spanish 
teen drama that makes um, sex education look like a kids program. It is super raunchy, unbelievably kind of um, uh, no holds barred in its depiction of uh, adult interactions between the teenage characters, and it's uh, and it's really funny. It's massively over the top. Last season, they introduced this character who is a world renowned footballer and his son who moved. It's basically it's all about all, all the kids. These kids go to this mm. super exclusive. I remember school. when we reviewed yeah. or you reviewed the very, the very yeah, first, the first one. It's in the super exclusive school, which is like all white and shiny, and you know technically amazing but they have to have a certain amount of the pupils have to be working class from working class so it's all about class yeah. but now it's just this kitsch over the top quite camp um, raunch fest and <laughs> lastly season they introduced the ca- character of this dad who uh, and that son and the dad is a famous footballer the son is a um, is, is a guy who's c- kind of exploring his sexuality and then it turns out the dad is as well and they just <laughs> absolutely just throw everything in into the mix it's an extraordinary show but it's fantastic what season is it on now I think it's five now okay. maybe even six that's a good question Kay thank there's you there's also for that. Dark isn't there that's the other one and Dark and is a good German 1899, show 1899 what's the one yes. that's out yes yeah. that's, we'll be reviewing that next week if, yeah. if I've watched that already yes and I can't say anything that's, about uh, it yet, but yeah that's sehr deutsch very deutsch very yeah. German but um, Darkers was really good completely insane yeah, yeah. like uh, as is in fact oh, can't say. 1899 might be similarly completely insane can't say <laughs> <laughs> Elite Elite season 5 yes 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 Oh no, maybe season six actually coming up. Season five is the most recent one. Season six on its way. Yeah, incredible. It's a phenomenon, Elite. I'm going to get into it. Okay. Well, next up, we have a, me- a slightly confrontational message from <gasps> Sir Renwatt. And Sir Renwatt says, You've just seen one episode. Love the pod, but can you discuss the difficulties and even relevance in a review show which hasn't even seen all the content yet? What? It would be professional suicide to review a meal after the starter or leave the theatre at the interval. So why is it okay for Peak TV? <laughs> is the disclaimer that you have just seen one episode emphasised enough? Could you have a feature? Will you leave a show until you've seen every episode? Is that a particular show? These I don't think so. No, oh, I don't okay. think there's a particular okay. show. I would say, I would say, no. We wouldn't leave it to the end because obviously by that point you guys have all seen it anyway. So I'm not sure what the value of the review is. But I, I, I take, I take their point, and I think. On the one hand, there's two there's two elements to this. One, they almost never, almost, not always, but almost never give us the entire show ahead of time, so we couldn't watch them all, even if we had the time. Also, um, it'd be really hard to then not spoil stuff. Would be more difficult, I would say. But I think, but also, I think we try and address this. So we will normally, you know, I would say when we go into show, we've normally seen the first one, two, three episodes, something mm, like that. We've yeah. seen the first few. We try and do more than and, one. Yeah, I think, and I, I do anyway. occasionally have watched all of them because it's something that I've disappeared. Yeah. Have you regularly watched? Well, fun, oh, do you know what? Uh, just it just so happens that the three shows we're reviewing tonight, I've watched all of the episodes. Well, there we go. Oh, really? Case yeah. in point. Yeah, I try and watch as many as I can. Yeah, as, as um, many as time will. I agree. Allow. I agree with the general gist message. Actually, yeah. particularly in the world of these types of shows, ten episode, you yeah. know, whatever drama. Because sometimes you can't tell from the no, first episode. you can't. You hundred percent can't. And in a way, you are that is mirroring the you know the the viewer's experience. I mean, if a viewer thinks the first episode is something quite boring, then why would they necessarily carry on? Mm. But in our job as in quotes critics, I don't want to be pompous about it. 
I think we have to carry. I think in general we should try and watch as many. Empire in the magazine, in the print magazine of Empire, you have a rule pretty much. I'm I'm always told, you know, we have to have at least two or three yeah. episodes. Well, we, no, we occasionally have done it where the, literally it's been a big show, right. like a Star Wars show, and they've literally only showed us one. There's right, nothing we can but do then we, t- we try not to. We try not. To, um. Yeah. So, and in fact, that's one of the reasons why I watched all of one of the shows this week is that I, re- I re- wrote the review in Empire and I watched all of them. So, um, I, I agree. I agree generally with that with that point. I think as much as because you can completely change your mind about you can. from from the first few episodes. To watch but I think we do try to address that in that we regularly come back to shows when we've seen more yeah. episodes and yeah, give updated yeah. reviews. Like, like you know, like Severance, for example, a good one. I like the first episode. <laughs> you and Beth, being the wrong people that you are, did not. And uh, and then and then of course in subsequent I had episodes issues with it, I you did both not did reverse. I had it came around it. to my way of thinking, and you know it was important I would, that we shared. I that. would maintain that that is a show that that, that either gets better as you yourself have yes, said. Yes, it does. It gets better. As it goes it's on much better but but it's interesting though and i think and i did a big reverse ferret on something recently and i can't mm. remember what it was nor can i no I can't. but there was definitely something that i was like do you know what this yes. is abs- oh andor it was andor oh, yeah, yeah, andor yeah. watched the first and that wasn't even the first one i think we watched the first four of that had i watched the first four of andor and didn't really like it but as it, it is a show that gets progressively better as it builds momentum and now as we're on episode nine it's brilliant and yeah. you know so i think i think we try and do it as best we can we revisit shows we talk about shows as we as we experience them as they go forward but yeah we, we work with what we've got and the limited amount of actual hours in our physical days yeah it's not i mean like with films it's easy like they'll show you the film you watch the film you review it but you say TV that, but you find it increasingly hard to watch any <laughs> Anyone who listens to well, the Empire podcast boy, that's know. because I'm so dedicated to the Pilot TV podcast. Yeah. I, mean, I don't the, have time for Empire. The best other, podcast. Other bald, middle-aged men who've watched the films <laughs> and know about Woody Allen and why he's one of the four greatest comedy directors in history. Stop trying to muscle your way that's up. That's it. Available. He's trying to supplant yeah. me on the Empire podcast. I mean, that's what's happening it's here. It's about time. Unbelievable. Right. Okay, next. What are they called? Message. Yes, that's it. This is from SKT. Uh, and he says, on spoilers in podcasts, please think of those who run cycle, etc. while listening. Having to stop to skip oh. spoiler sections is a pain in the arse. That's a good point. Much prefer a separate episode in the feed. Huh. I don't know if we'll do a well, separate episode, but we'll see. You said yes, you're going to think about I'm it. I'm thinking about weekend. it. There are, there are plans afoot, which I will Ooh. hopefully be revealing quite soon. Uh, but uh, yes, yes, I think do we definitely. we get to find out about them as well? No. Uh, <laughs> you're fair. As with all things on this podcast, you'll find out when we sit down to record it but sometimes um, not even then but yes but yes thank you we will we will we will bear you runners in mind exercise is terrible what are you doing um right anyway kieran holt says i second drive to survive from last week's episode as someone who hates sports and reality tv and generally agrees with james in most things thank you very much <laughs> season three episode nine of drive to survive is one of the best pieces of tv i've seen oh. and a masterclass in editing and it works in isolation i would say just watch that one season three episode nine i'm gonna do that because I like three, the shows. Nine. I talked about how brilliant, the, brilliantly made that show is, and I will absolutely seek out that episode. Drive to survive. Right, Joe Banyard says, yes, uh, as one of the people who originally moaned about spoilers, I wanted to send some clarification. I don't have an issue with spoilers on the show, as it would be very boring if you couldn't actually speak about the shows you're reviewing. The problem is that usually multiple episodes of the show are available to you guys, so you have exactly the opposite problem of the other person, and you end up dropping little hints or teases for upcoming episodes Mm. that then unintentionally Mm. spoil the show for people. For example, example, James compared later episodes of Moon Knight to Legion, when only two episodes had aired which for me immediately spoiled that he would end up mm. in an institution James and, you are. but the thing is when I said he'd gone a bit 
Noah Hawley. Uh, I, I didn't actually, it, the asylum part wasn't the reason why. It was a tonal thing. It wasn't actually about that. Well, you didn't clarify that. that. See, now you ruined it. So actually, you know, I, I, he, <laughs> it's a bit of a compilation, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, you yeah, know, maybe that bled into me subconsciously. Yeah, I think it, but <laughs> it wasn't what I was specifically referring to when I said it, but I apologize for that. Okay. And because there was also mentions of the huge time jump in House of the Dragon, which I personally did not know about at the time. Mm. And then it ruined the surprise when it happened. Mm. I know what you're saying about that. I honestly don't think there's a way of reviewing that show without discussing it because the entire core cast changes. Well, I say the core cast, the two main characters change. So I can't, I don't see how you can review that show without addressing the fact that Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook are in it, you yeah. know, and who they play. I, yeah. I, I just don't know that there's a way around that. I Maybe think, we shouldn't I think have said issue an apology as well. Just, All right, sorry. Yeah. I think there's different. <laughs> I could go on about the spoiler thing. Can't Let's hours. not, not again, not again. But I'll not. quickly say this. Thanks, Kay. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> Just there are. I think there's like different t- levels of spoiling. So that's an interesting one about the time jump, right? Yeah. For me, that's if I'd have read about. In fact, I probably had read about that. There's a time jump before I watched the screeners that we got. So I was aware that was going to happen. Then it happens. You're like, oh, that's interesting. And I think, I, but it's not. It doesn't ruin the show, does it? Like on no level, it it slightly affects your viewing experience. So there's one like spoilers that slightly affect your viewing experience mm-hmm. and. And not knowing something like that would enhance your viewing experience for sure. But it's, that's a difference between that giving away an actual plot twist. And I feel like the former is not what the whole word spoiler was invented for. For me, spoiler alert, that phrase, it's all about giving away a plot point, plot points in shows. And that the first example, totally valid. It's just a different thing for me. So that's kind mm. of my was my point in the first place in kind of defending myself against accusations. I try I try not to do anything that would genuinely ruin the experience of viewing it rather than slightly affect it somehow. You know, that's the difference if that's that wasn't looking in, th- in the I think this is way. the best sum up we've had of it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think that was good. Yeah, okay. See, I'm very spoiler reverse I like to know nothing going in you say that but you do know stuff well no because my job I kind of have to I can't avoid them but I prefer not to but for something like this like it was it was literally at the premiere they had both generations of these characters and they literally were saying in the interviews on stage at the premiere well you know I come in in episode 6 and it's all very like because they had to because they had to explain why for example because they showed us the first two episodes why Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook weren't in the fucking show like you know so there there was a whole thing made of it so they've been very upfront about that fact so I think in that case sometimes I do take my lead from the publicity like if if, if the channel has chosen to reveal a certain thing as publicity then you're like well okay that's fair game because they've done that that was my defence with the um, programme that's I've forgotten (laughs) the Irish set thriller that started this whole thing i think pretty much you know was, our sisters no the um oh my god was, <laughs> give us more clues you know with <laughs> the guy from cold feet james nesbitt Je- well, oh bloodlands yes this, is, this all yes. started with it did start bloodlands, bloodlands kicked it off because you ruined bloodlands i ruined everyone. bloodlands based on the publicity yeah the whole publicity for the show the trailers the plot descriptions the official from bbc absolutely mentioned the the nature of his character yeah. You can't be blamed for that, then I don't think. And I like to blame you for everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, I think it is. I think it is a tricky line to walk in this day and age when people do watch things at very different times. So then it kind of becomes, what's your duty of care when something is part of the conversation? <laughs> He's losing the world to live. Right. I think we've ended that conversation because Kay's about to leave the podcast. So I'm going to show you this. This is a message from Matthew T.A. Oh, my God. Wow, that's long. Wow. Good effort, Matthew. This is like a dissertation. What's that about? It looks like it's about a thousand words. So I'm clearly not going to read it out. However, I have read it. And his gist is, boy, you're a bellend. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's not. It's actually he's, both of us are balanced. But his whole oh, point okay, is he that. resents the ragging on Lost. He's saying that Lost oh. is brilliant. He he thinks it's not by the guy who does the podcast about Lost, is it? Because I've had this discussion. With his name before. is what well, it is D. D. Lindelof, he says. No, uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, no. He basically, his whole point is twofold. He's saying Lost is brilliant. We shouldn't be ragging on it. And also, mm. like, it was the greatest of all things. I'm paraphrasing. But his main thing is also is that we we apparently have subscribed to the QAnon belief that they were dead all along, which is not the plot of Lost, uh, as he has been pointing out. That they're, they're, I'm spoiling Lost at the moment, so apologies <laughs> to everyone. But, <laughs> He said they're not dead all along. That's not what the story is. They are dead in the sidequels oh, yeah, in the I final mean, episode. I, I but the I've actual narrative it. of loss actually happens, but the sidequels yeah. are set later on after they've all That's died. That's never been my criticism of it. I, I, okay. oh, I, I've never meant to imply that. Yeah. If I did ap- apologia, apologies. <laughs> but um, my, my issue with Lost is, I, it was, right, to start with, quickly, because we're really entering into geek territory now. She loves Lost it. was a game changer yes. of a show. It was. And that absolutely has changed, particularly mainstream network TV. Yep. Yeah, but you're not ABC. denying that, are you? No, no, what yeah. I'm saying it, I loved it. And to start with, I absolutely loved it. I visited the set. It was one of the greatest weeks of my professional life. In Hawaii. Going to fucking Hawaii. <laughs> one to go and see look, One incredible series. experience. Yeah. Actually met Damon Lindelof, who told me that they had planned exactly what they were going to do to solve the whole show. And of course, he, they hadn't lied. Um, but, I uh, love Damon and Love, by the way. Um, it was fantastic. The problem with Lost was it went on far too long. Yep. And I found the last season irritating, partly because of the whole side, the whole side hustle yeah. of the characters, yeah. the side issue, the different versions of them. And I just and the finale, I just I just think there was too many threads left untied and too many mysteries. Was Bosch the smoke unsolved. monster or was he the good guy? I can't remember. I, mean, I think he was I think he was the smoke monster. I think so, but who was who Bosch? Remember? But but, but, mm. but my final point does that does not discount the fact that it was an absolute game yes. changer and, and brilliantly done, brilliantly made, yep. fantastic cast, all that. Code for you know, I first four or even half four and a half, five seasons, I just got a bit pissed off with well, the and th- this is Lost. kind of what you hear. And for me, it had it just had that classic network problem where because they didn't know whether they were going to get picked up, they were making this shit up as they went along. And they were, after a while, quite open about that. Yeah. And that they were taking, you know, inspiration sometimes from like television without pity and stuff like that and things on the internet. And I think that was I felt a bit swindled by that. That they were clearly just constantly changing and the mythology was evolving and they were doing switch The same is true of the X Files. The same is true of my beloved Battlestar Galactica, which they also made <laughs> up as they went it. along. And it's abundantly clear at one point that they were in the writer's room going who will the final five silence be I don't know write some names on a board and let's see what happens and that is a real shame and look, not everyone can be J. Michael Straczynski doing Babylon 5 and plan it all out in advance but I do like that for me that that would lost that I, I can accept it in Battlestar Galactic because I think they generally did a pretty good job even the ending which I don't mind but lost I think I felt a bit conned by it mm. I think yeah, a little same. bit yeah. and I think maybe that's why it leaves a bad taste I sometimes think we're, the, oh, sorry, we're going on about what my final point is <laughs> compare the ending of Lost with the ending of The Leftovers Damon, another Damon Lindelof show and I think he'd really learn yeah. a lesson because as as wildly ambiguous and mysterious as the ending of the I've just said it. Leftovers. <laughs> the leftovers yes. is it's still fantastic and and specific enough mm. for it to be really. But satisfying. that felt to me like an answer to Lost because Lost yeah. was a show that promised exactly. answers and had none to give, and The Leftovers was a show that promised you you would not get answers and then literally gave them to you. So it was a very yeah. different proposition. Which I wonder whether the evolution of Lost actually in, informed his, his well, thing. There. But anyway. It, 
Matthew, sorry, Matthew uh, obviously takes issue, and he said he mentions Joanna Robinson, obviously, who uh, has her own podcast, is very, very good. She's a big, big fan of Lost, so she would defend it to the hilt. Uh, she may well be right, we may well be wrong, but that is our uh, that is our feeling on Lost. Sorry about that. Matthew, right, quickly, we'll do a few more before Kay literally leaves. No, I, Hi, pilot team. Watched Lost? Yeah, I did, but I didn't oh. watch it till the end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're all dead at the end, by the way. What? Spoiler. <laughs> uh, hi, Pilot Team. Just wondering if you reviewed Young Royals Season 2. Kim, considering James gives us a blow-by-blow of winks, at least this YA is good. Way more diverse and better angst all around. This is from Hayley. Have, have you watched Young Royals, boy? I have a very good very good reminder that I need to watch Young Royals Season 2 because I did watch um, some, if not all, of Season 1. And it was a good show, yeah. Who's in it's, it? It's a Swedish teen drama about the private lives of a fictional prince kind of thing, yeah, um, who has to go to school, basically, or college, one of the two. Um, elite boarding school, that's it, yeah. But I did enjoy what I saw of the first season. You did so, love an elite boarding school. I do. You? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know, Netflix is full of elite mm. boarding schools um, with raunchy happenings going on. So, yeah. And right, Young Rose was quite raunchy as well. I have not seen that. Okay. Well, there are more letters, but I've run out of energy, so we'll tackle some of those <laughs> next week. I think it's time for this week's guests. We've got a triple bill for you this time around. So the English sees English lady Cornelia Locke, played by Emily Blunt, team up with a Pawnee tracker, played by Chaske Spencer, uh, in a rip-roaring rampage of revenge, created by Hugo Blick. And all three of them stopped by the show this week to talk about the show with our very own Boyd Hilton. Hi, Hugo. Hi, morning, Boyd. Okay, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Good morning. Um, good morning. Uh, Hugo, let me start with you. This is uh, the latest in your list of extraordinary dramas you've written, produced, and directed. Did you, what came first? Did you, did you want to do a Western? Was it the genre? Or did it, this, it's a remarkable story as well of two people, a kind of a love story of two people with possibly a, from irreconcilable backgrounds. What was the initial spark? Well, it's odd given it's a Western, but actually, this is the closest to me. Uh, of all the projects I've written and that it, it's, its genesis comes out of the fact that when I was a young adult, I was sent out to Montana to sort of sort my uh, sort myself out. And um, uh, I uh, stayed with, a, with an old family friend who, um, who was um, an, an, uh, an ex-USAF uh, vet. And uh, he was actually a gold medalist for rowing. But anyway, he was an avid uh, outdoorsman and um, he had three daughters. They were really beautiful. But I think he saw me as the son he never had. And um, I was then thrown into learning how to hunt, spin a horse, shoot, obviously, and doing kind of the, the last vestiges of, of kind of what was the old West, I guess. And it was in the 80s. And we also used to cut wood commercially uh, for the government. And... Um, Doing so, doing that was interesting because if you needed wood, you were on social security. So you, you you got to see people who were in pretty tough circumstances, and and you know sadly that brought us frequently into the native communities surrounding uh, our local area. It was you know it was a very very tough thing to witness. I mean, one I remember one day we 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 delivered a a cord of wood, like a ton of wood, to a, a Crow Nation family who lived in a single. Um, single room cabin and they had generations of their clothes piled up against the outside of the wall to provide insulation against what are really steep winters in Montana as chess gamers. You know, it was a tough life. 
But I also met a buddy, a hunting buddy. It's, these stories are not good for vegans. Hugo, <laughs> <laughs> we have 20 minutes. We have 20 minutes. That's it. Okay, move on. Talk <laughs> about the show. Thanks for that intervention. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I, uh, it was a personal experience. That's what led to you. Right. So you somehow were turned into like a Clint Eastwood, a Western hero character. Yes, I, 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 was, point... Jerem- I was Jeremiah Johnson to Will, wow. my old man's Will Deer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> to be fair, that's a fantastic origin story for this show. Emily, at what point, now you're the producer on the show, um, which obviously can mean all kinds of things. Um, but what is, did it specifically mean for you? What kind of involvement did you have in the in the birth of the series? Um, I think for this one, it made sense, really. I mean, it was, um, I was sent the pilot, Hugo and Greg Brenner, the other, Greg Brenman, sorry, I've just been working with a character who's called Brenner, so now I'm getting everyone's name wrong. Greg Brenman sent me the pilot and I was just completely kidnapped and captivated by it it was made impossible for me to say no it just had me in its grip immediately from the first two pages to be honest with you I was already sure I was doing it it was just a very welcome invitation to come along and be shoulder to shoulder with Hugo uh, along the journey as he continued to write further extraordinary scripts and so it's just been very close to my heart. I felt very involved in every aspect of it. And um, yeah, so that that's really all the experience was of being an exec producer on it is just to be fully immersed in every aspect of it, which I've loved. Except that Emily was very involved in every aspect of the project, you know, from the, the development of the script, because she came on so early, it was possible for me to bespoke the suit around her, her talent, her strengths, and her interests for the character. And then afterwards, we shared a real interest. And it was Jimmy Stewart who said that the, the clue to a good Western, first clue to a good Western is a slim script. And, and I think we both took that to heart. And we both stripped out the script as we went along. And then we, you know, you, you make a project three times in the script during filming and then in the edit. And all the time, you know, Cheske, Emily, and I were constantly looking to sort of just trying to pull out the, the dialogues, particularly in order to make sure that the slimness, the leanness of the storytelling came through. Mm-hmm. And we did that right the way through the edit as well. So it was a, a, a total creative partnership, which is very rare. You know, you normally as a director have a very, very strong relationship with your leading performance, obviously during filming. But it was something else to take the journey specifically with Emily in her exact role into the edit and beyond. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a rare experience. I wonder, Emily, there's a scene in episode one where a, a, an act of violence towards you, um, which is so striking and <laughs> like shocking. Um, and I, like, for me, that was the moment I was like, oh my God. I mean, I love Hugo's work anyway, going back to the shadow line and beyond. But that moment was such a Hugo moment of unexpected violence. And it just hooks you, doesn't it? So quick. What did you make of that moment? How was that like to film that moment? Well, I remember reading it and thinking, well, now all bets are off, like anything could happen. And it was such a strike of brutality, literally and figuratively. And it did come out of the darkness, you know, and I think it just shocked me when I read it. And I think then you will be on edge for the rest of the series, I think, because once you lay that groundwork and that foundation for 
anything could happen, then it's very exciting. And I think it was also very emblematic of what, you know, what the Western genre is and why a Western is so exciting because it's a land, it's such a potent landscape. It's such a potent story space where it's a world that's built on that kind of violence and brutality. And there was something about the image of this woman in a bonnet <laughs> getting attacked in that way that was just jarring and that's what you want to launch us into this incredible story and then the prairie oysters oh the <laughs> yes. prairie oysters just these these are the moments where i sort of worry about hugo at night like, yeah. what are you thinking about at night you know yeah. uh, <laughs> like i watched the prairie oysters and wondered if he'd been watching too much i'm a celeb to get me out of here you know, have... <laughs> well, exactly. wait to the end of the story boy do you see how it all comes together <laughs> oh, <laughs> i have i've seen how it all comes together yeah. oh well, there you go Cheske, for you you know, you've done loads of great roles. I'm a big fan. We're big fans on this podcast of Banshee, by the way, which is a oh, fabulous really? show. Um, Thank you. Yeah, in case people haven't seen it. But this is, is this, this feels like your first big male lead role. I mean, you are the male lead of the show. You are like the, like the Clint Eastwood character in a way. You're the man of few words, a kind of heroic figure. What was it like to kind of get the role and to, to take it on? Oh, it was a blast. I had a wonderful time filming it. It's a character that I've always wanted to play. You know, I grew up, watching a lot of westerns and uh um always wanting to uh try to play a character like this it's you know it's i think it's every actor's um dream to play something like this just a just a leading man role and i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot it was fun uh for my career uh you know i pretty much you know i'm pretty much a journeyman i i just go from gig to gig and i've been a working actor for a while and uh when you get a role like this it's a hell of an opportunity and it's just fun to do uh, you know i love i love acting and uh you know the more meatier the roles the heavier the roles the, you know the better i feel like i want to jump in because uh, i i <laughs> You know, I, I, I know nothing about that world. And when I jump into the world, I have to explore a lot and, and um, get an education on some things and also hopefully walk away from the project, you know, with a little more uh, uh, maybe introspective and also just uh, appreciation of that character. Did you did it all come? Did your performance all come from yourself or did you look at any other like, you know, similar roles in classic Westerns? at all? Uh, I, I looked for inspiration, but, you know, for me, uh, I've learned throughout my career is that sometimes I can't uh, I can only take it so far and I had to make it on my own so I started doing a lot of you know I, I Hugo had given me a lot of stuff to research and I'd done that but at the end of the day you know I'm trying to put myself in that situation and and I need I sometimes I need people to um real people to look at so I looked at a lot of Vietnam vets you know I'm a child of the baby boomer so most of my friends fathers went off to Vietnam and so I was surrounded by all that and uh, I was just pulling from them as well, uh, especially because I always felt Eli, you know, he's a veteran. He's been to war and uh, he's lost a lot. And I wanted that, that, that heaviness. And I can't get that from film or TV or watching someone else. I have to have to actually have someone there to look at, uh, to pull from inspiration from. And, it, and I got to say, it helped me out a lot to do that. Uh, some of the mannerisms and stuff like that uh, were, are pulled from certain people. And uh, it was it was uh, it, it was it was fun and challenging, but uh, I think staying in that that headspace for a long time, you know, it's good to get breaks from time to time. And looking back on it now, I really really loved going there with Eli because uh, it was 
it was they that's what i do you know that's that's the adrenaline rush is to be someone else <laughs> and emily like this role like both both of your roles in fact uh, you know your kind of action heroes as well as the kind of emotional undercurrent of the whole thing how was the action element? like you're riding horses you're shooting people you're all, everything's there <laughs> i mean i always love the physical experience of um you know preparing for a role because it kind of puts you in the body of the person in a very visceral way and in fact because we had the challenge of shooting during covid and we had to push a few months i spent those few months almost daily on the back of a horse or several horses so that when i got to spain i wasn't shocked and i could hopefully ride any kind of horse and because it's, you know, when people used to ride in those days, they looked completely at one with the animal. It wasn't sort of clinging on for dear life. You had to look like you knew what you were doing. So I really loved it. I found it such a beautiful experience. And I really fell madly in love with my horse out in Spain. I loved him. I know Chaske loved his horse. We were sort of quite tearful to say goodbye to them, you know? It was really wonderful. And these Spanish horse horses we were riding in Spain, I mean, you could exhale and they would stop. Like they were just so responsive. And I've done my fair share of time with a shotgun. So I was sort of aware that I could probably handle that. But um, the bow and arrow was a fun thing to explore as well. I liked it a lot. Jessica, did you, did you much have much experience with horses until then? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, I, I, movie, mo- uh, I guess uh, movie writing uh, is about as far as I go. I, you know, so I, I grew up in Montana as well, and uh, I never really got around the horses when I was in uh, Montana. I don't know why that was. No, before we started filming, I went to uh, uh, horse training and was trying to get to acclimated to riding the horse. Uh, I had a few falls from time to time, but, uh, you know, you, you got yeah, to get up and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it's funny. It's funny on, on screen. The weirdest thing is that on set, everybody gets very nervous with the horses. If they're moving, if they're not doing as we all sort of, everybody gets uh, hypersensitized to things going wrong in terms of a uh, movement that wasn't expected on a set. And actually, one had to learn just to let the horses be. And when you went to the edit and looked at the edit afterwards, these horses are moving around and they're doing their thing, and the acting is continuing. And no one feels as if it's odd or out of pace. It's, it's strange. You just have to trust the horse, let the horse do what it's doing, and mm. you carry on. Just, just, just stop thinking about it. And, and that confidence comes into the frame then. And it, and it was quickly learned by all of us. Hugo, it strikes me this might have been, was this for you the biggest directing challenge? I mean, directing... Oh, without doubt. Yeah, without doubt. action scene. Some of the action scenes... You, you wouldn't do... I, I mean, it must be that Jimmy Stewart's my guru because he kind of said also, he said, well, you're going to have to do three movies to get it right because they're really tough, mostly shooting horses. Filming horses is really tough. So given this is six hours, I'm hopeful for the last third. I think it should work out. <laughs> it does work out. Does work. Also, as a as a writer, um, I mean, every series you do, all of your has has these kind of startling narrative twists and turns. But, yeah. like for example, your decision not to bring in Rafe Stall until pretty much halfway through the story is yeah. extraordinary. When you consider he is astonishing, in that he's yeah. he is 
horrendous that character yeah i think so, he asked me that question too he was right i once uh, <laughs> I, I once developed a project for uh, warren Beatty, and uh, he came in on page 20 something i think it was like 27 and warren said yeah <laughs> but i don't come in until page 27 and i went yeah well you know it's really interesting because the impact of your arrival and he went mm, page 27 <laughs> so we weren't going to take a big journey with that um, and likewise, with Ray, because so why am I in the middle of the story seeing as I'm, you know, the big bad guy? And I said, well, because you're Colonel Kurtz, we need to have a destination towards the heart of darkness and you're it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and likewise, Orson Welles in, you know, in the, um, in the third man, it, it has that quality of the, the, the devil you don't see has more mm. power than the one you're always engaging with. And the way he comes in in episode four, if, if you don't mind me suggesting, I think is really powerful. Uh, this long speech he gives that devastates an otherwise villainous individual. Um, it just lands him bang in the middle of the story, like a bomb. And then, mm. wow, does Ray go with it. I'd worked with Ray about, uh, on the Shadowline board, you might remember, yeah. uh, when he was yeah. a young man. And so it's, really interesting to work with him 10 12 years later to see him in his maturity and that he's given a hell of a performance yeah mm. you had him playing a psycho in, in the in shadow line and in this yeah and every I other role he's ever done he, I, yeah I every know. other role what's he's a lovely this? guy i know what he is a lovely why is man. everybody why is everybody <laughs> fooled by this business i went to watch him play atticus finch and i'm going why have they got a psychopath playing atticus finch <laughs> <laughs> Your scenes with Rafe are, are, are unbelievable as well. You have some extremely like stressful one-on-one confrontations with him. What were they like to film? Well, he does he does come into every scene like a sort of lethal Ferrari. I mean, he is just quite wild and unpredictable, and so therefore so exciting to be on the receiving end of what he's throwing at you. He is very free and confident and knew exactly who this person was. You know, he was so settled in his, in his way with him. So I think it just gave him that freedom to be like a hurricane in the scenes. And, and I adored him as a person. So I think we did have a laugh between takes, but there were certain scenes I did with him that I said to Hugo the next day and Hugo's wife, Eleanor, I just said, I didn't sleep last night. You know, because they would just stay with you. They were so, you'd sort of vibrate with them afterwards because um, they were jarring and frightening. And so I'm very happy that Rafe is such a fun, nice person in real life. <laughs> yeah, it is. Played it's one of the, I think he played one of the great villains in this. He yeah. really did. Jessica, is, is it, it's interesting the show has a, definitely has a political element to it, doesn't it? It, def- it, does not, it does not hide from talking about, you know, imperialism and the entitlement of certainly the, the English people who went to the West and how, you know, how that affected Native Americans, et cetera. Was that important to you that had the element and, and you know, that, that it really had that, it was saying something as well as being incredibly entertaining Western? Yeah, yeah, you see it in the script in the, uh, in the finished film, but it, it, you know, it is, it is important, it's a part of history, but for me, it wasn't, uh, I was more into the story itself. And yeah, that's a part of it. But I've done these Western stuff for a, a lot. So, you know, I hope the audience will um, appreciate it and uh, also uh, learn that it's part of the story. Uh, but no, I, I just I just jumped into the story. The show looks astonishing, like every shot, Hugo. You know, I remember the shadow saying this about the shadow line, that every shot in that show looks beautiful. But in this, again, 
you've kind of you've pulled it off where it just looks stunning and but for yeah. you the actors emily like were you aware when you watch it back you're like oh my god i didn't realize, did you realize it's going to look that astonishing and beautiful when you're kind of immersed in actually filming it i mean hugo would often um because he's he's got such a beautiful eye visually for how he wanted the shot to be composed and so you know he would get his phone out and take the photograph of how he saw it and even in prep like when he was scouting places he'd just send me the most extraordinary photographs so I guess I had an idea of just the beauty of that kind of dust bath that we were shooting in and what that did to the light and just um, how often Arnau, the DP who was just incredible, would just sort of backlight us. So you've just got this sense of being kidnapped by a world that is so stunning and varied. That was the beauty of shooting in Spain. You know, you've got these beautiful dusty flats of what should look like Kansas and then these more mountainous regions of on the you know Mon- Montana scenes. But of course, even though Hugo would send me photographs and all of that and stills from the show, you you got an idea of it, but it did completely light me up when I saw it for the first time. I just thought it was so striking and so beautiful. And so much of that is Hugo's visual abilities as a director but we did luck out with our extraordinary DP, who really was a kindred spirit to Hugo yeah. in a big way. The whole crew was, to be honest. Every um, incredible. It was, it was just like an amazing crew, and a meshed engine, you know, right the way from top to bottom. They were uh, remarkable, and many of them had uh, generational experience uh, of yeah. Spanish. Um, uh, Western filmmaking, from obviously Leone to Carbucci, it was it was it was an a, a amazing thing because they had great detail and dexterity and understood what it was to be out in the and um, you know essentially in the wilderness, and uh, no one was phased by it. They knew their roles and they absolutely played them as crew members. It's quite a rem- remarkable experience. Rare. Congratulations on a, on a wonderful series. I loved it, and uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Boyd. Thank, Thank you so much. Right, it is time for the news. We've covered Winks. Yeah. We've covered Witcher. Yeah. We've covered Sandman. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing in my world, at least, that we have not covered is that The Last of Us finally has uh. a transmission date. We now know when The Last of Us is going to land on HBO in the US, and it is on January the... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. That's the only thing I'd do. Yeah, I'm I looking it up. That, it's, it's on January the 15th. Yay. There we go. Ooh, found it. January the 15th, Last of Us lands on HBO, so I can only assume it will appear on Sky on either the 15th or the 16th. But that is very exciting news. Uh, that is the show I'm most excited about at the moment. So Yes. Um, it's, it's based on a video game, Kane, in case mm. you didn't know. One of, the, one of the biggest video games of all time, is that Well, the I would biggest? say the Citizen Kane of video games. Yeah. It is it is a magnificent masterpiece. Yeah. Um, that is good news. I was very... In all the um, recommissioning and, and all cancelling of shows, um, Malarkey, that's happened in the last week, one that's been slightly overlooked, I feel, but I, I think it's the best news of all, is that industry is getting oh, yeah. a third series. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, because I went... I met the, um, the creators of industry and some of the stars at a screening of it just before it started airing about a month ago. And they genuinely were like, we don't know whether we've got n- another series. You know, it all depends on HBO because it's an H- mainly an HBO... I think there's a slight BBC involvement in it, but it's mainly an HBO commission. But it's one of my favourite shows and, yeah, very good Real? news that it's coming back for a third season. And you know the other one that's been recommissioned, Kay? One of your favourites. Which one? Am I Being Unreasonable? 
Oh, yes, yeah, really? Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, second series. Confirmed. Oh, brilliant. Daisy May Cooper. Daisy May Cooper. Yes, Terry was a big fan of that. Oh, yeah. it's, about it's fab, yeah. yeah. And talking of Terry, also mentioned on her um, Instagram feed this new series, Rain Dogs. Have you heard about this? With no. Daisy May Cooper. So, yeah, this is a new eight-part drama series from Sid Gentle Films, who were the people who gave us Killing Eve. Mm. And it's from a writer called Cash Carraway, who wrote a kind of working-class memoir, I think, and she has written, it's an unconventional love story between a working class single mum, paid by Daisy May Cooper, her 10-year-old daughter, and a privileged gay man. The mm. dark comedy stars Daisy May Cooper, Jack Farthing, who's always very good, uh, Ronke Adekolejo, Adrian Edmondson, and Fleur Tashijan, dysfunctional family, blah, blah, blah. It sounds very much up my street. Yes. Well, you, you had Terry at Working yeah. Class Memoir, but yes. Exactly. I think that's <laughs> yeah. particularly why Terry's, yeah, yeah. Terry's backing it to the hilt. So that's an exciting project, though. Did either of you Rain watch Dogs the... Rain Dogs, it's called. Rain Dogs. Yes. Yes. Rain Dogs? Yeah. Okay. Did either of you watch the little preview to The Walking Dead, Dead City? No. Maggie and Negan's Further Adventures? No. We're only, I think, what, now, by the time this goes out, two episodes away from The Walking wow. Dead finale. Wow. Uh, I am up to date. I'm loving it. Lots of Negan action. It's good stuff. It's ex- yeah. <laughs> I was trying to muster some sort of excitement for it, but I couldn't. You failed. So, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Sorry, sorry. Um, let me give it a bit of Joe Barton news. Amadeus, apparently Sky is developing a five-part drama series based on the beloved composer. They've This is from the press release, beloved composer Mozart's time in Vienna. <laughs> and it's written by Joe Barton. And my question to you is... How the fuck does he get the time? Like, have the time to create so many... Well, you know he hasn't written all of The Sun, The Bastard, and The Thing He Wants. Oh, it. I thought he did. Yeah, Ema Kenny's written about I was going to say, Ema oh, really? yeah. Kenny wrote yeah, some of that. Yeah, she's about I it, yeah. I didn't know that. No, yeah, he created it, and he's, you know... It's but it's still, show, he is... Yeah. It. yeah. I just think, you know how there was that um, Beyonce has the same 24 hours in the day that we do? And I feel like now this mm. should apply with Joe because I'm both excited by the fact that he's producing new stuff because obviously he's brilliant, but also it makes me feel bad about my output in the world. So this Amadeus thing, though, is this a spin-off? Is this a, a reboot of the film? Or yes, is it I think com- it is. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah. oh interesting. Okay, because the film is, is, is a fantastic, that was absolutely one of the best kind of biopic slash not biopic, I would say, of all time in the, in in. in you know, as much as it's about Salieri, as much as it is about Mozart, obviously. Mm. Classic, uh, James. I've never seen, seen never seen I've Amadeus. Never seen oh Amadeus. My God, I've seen the trailer many, many times. This takes me back to when you hadn't seen Citizen Kane, famously. I did watch Citizen Kane though. Yeah, eventually, it took yeah. you what, like yeah. forty years or something. Yeah, yeah. But and, and and of course, it was good that I did because I finally spotted the fundamental flaw in Citizen Kane. That, <laughs> oh wow, boy, uh, almost critics, spat out his coat. critics until this point had apparently not realised that Rosebud is clearly not the name of the sled, but rather the name of the company that makes the sled, because no one gets the name of a sled fucking engraved on a metal plaque and then. <laughs> physically screwed into their... No one does that. So it's clearly made by a company called Rosewood. I've blown this thing wide open. The vein is pulsating out of James's head right now. (laughs) And the irony is the greatest spoiler of them all. (laughs) I think the the statute of limitations on Citizen Kane might have lifted. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. The sled was not called Rosebud. The sled of limitations. It is the company that makes it. Rosebud sleds. Yeah. True story. Lucy. Let's talk about Lucy. Remember the Luc Besson film? Oh, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Um, There's a TV series of of Lucy happening, and (laughs) it's called Lucy. That was in the period of Luc Besson films. They're all about the same. There was a lot of, like, assassins films made by Luc Besson. He does like a... They all merge into one in my mind, I'm afraid, people. Fair enough. You know, it's Channel 4's 40th anniversary this week. Yes. Yes, and it's with Rufus Jones. Big congratulations to them, and obviously thank them very much for commissioning Home, which other people have passed on. Home, of course, being fabulous, and it was criminal that was cancelled. So, If we hadn't already had a really long post-bag section, I would have asked the question, what's your favourite Channel 4 show ever? But I don't think we've got time. No time. I need time to think about Something for us all to think about, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't have a big, big old yeah, thing. I think I know what mine is, actually. That's a deep bench. Yeah, it is a deep bench, yeah. But they're, no, they're, we should all hail Channel 4 for being genuinely yeah. bold, brave, edgy, lavish. And for, and, and, sometimes lavish. and for bringing us countdown. <laughs> Come yes, on. Hollyoaks. Oh. <laughs> That's your favourite soap. Carry on. Um, can I say, well, we mentioned Severance a little bit earlier. Gwendolyn Christie and Merritt Weather. Are on mm. the deck for uh, for season two. Which yeah, that's as we mentioned like, now. Now that's just as soon as I read that Carson news, I was like, yeah, that completely makes sense. And yeah. same with like Christopher Walken yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. slightly quirky, but one hundred percent fit that. Just format. going off yeah. piece, I've been thinking about Channel Four um, game shows. Crystal Maze, that was fantastic. <laughs> Come on, it's fine. What? Oh, I never got into Crystal Maze. James, tell me you watched the Crystal Maze. I mean, Maze. I didn't see watch them. game shows. What's the Crystal wrong with you? Maze. Actually, no, I mean, I have seen the Crystal Maze. Yeah. What was your favourite zone? Just quickly. Oh. I would say the industrial zone. Oh, God, um, that's su- that is such a James answer. <laughs> Aztec was the best one. Anyway. Oh, you're an Aztec. Look, uh, I, 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 I preferred Nightmare to the Crystal Maze. I had no oh, yeah, Nightmare. Remember Trey Guard? Yeah. Mm-mm. No? Yeah. All right, never mind. Never mind. Moving on. Uh, what about Crystal Lake? Were you excited about that, Boyd? The Friday the Thirteenth prequel series. Um, yes. Brian Fuller is doing. Yes, I am. I love a bit of Brian Fuller. Yeah, Hannibal genius, and um, I love a bit of um, Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, there's about two decent, vaguely watchable Friday the Thirteenth films in the epic franchise of all of them. That's fair. Uh, but I'm excited by this idea. Yeah, and if anyone can pull it off, Brian Fuller can. I had the great pleasure of interviewing him at an event when, during Hannibal. I think between seasons two and three, he's absolute delight. Mm. Great man. Didn't fall asleep. <laughs> no, he did not fall asleep. He was very much awake throughout the whole thing, which was a bonus, as we as we all know. Yes, Orbi Plaza is going to be in the in the One Division spinoff, Agatha yes. Coven of Chaos. Yes, indeed. Talking of Orbi Plaza, mm. brilliant Orbi Plaza can do no wrong. Orbi Plaza and Vision Quest. Obviously, there's going to be a spinoff. Speaking of One Division, yeah. of uh, of White Vision. Uh, called Vision Quest with be the um, further adventures of White Vision with Paul Bettany, my friend Paul Bettany. Yeah, yeah. Another name drop, person I interviewed. Close personal friend. Went to New York for a uh, to interview him, and uh, did that for about an hour, and stayed for three days. One of the greatest oh, God. jobs of my life. All right, fine. Have we have we finished our <laughs> yes. uh, our entitled off? Let's yes. move on. Yes. yes. Okay. I th- are we done with news? I think we're done with news. Mm. Are we not? Yeah. I mean, there was the Netflix Barb figures thing, but it was fine. It's fine. And then Netflix, the, the first Barb figures, you know, they're joining mm-hmm. the, they were announced this weekend. Hashtag they, justice for Barb. <laughs> exactly. And um, The Watcher was the top show and it got like oh. 900,000 over an overnight, which considering it's already been there mm-hmm. for weeks and weeks anyway, was a pretty good indication What was of the that. figure again? It was 900,000, I right. think, um, which may not seem like that much, but actually, you know, brand new shows on Channel 4, Channel 5, et cetera, were, not, were getting about that much, if not more, if not less. So, yeah. And is that the just, first episode, the whole thing? What's the figure? the first figure? time, the Washer most stream shows Netflix makes historic debut on Barb, blah, 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 blah. That, that figure, is that just for the first episode of the whole thing, or what, how do they work it out? That's a very good question, Kate. Um, well, I wanted, six, I- it, it was... The the data shows that uh, from the, on the first of November, the Watcher was the most watched show on Netflix. Episode six attracting the most views, but I guess it must count for however many episodes of it people watched. Because yeah. I was interested to see if there was a drop off. Um, oh, I, not that I know of. I think most people probably carried on watching the whole thing and were then disappointed by the finale. Mm. Yeah, there you go. They anyway. wanted to throw their TVs out. So yeah, we can definitely finish news now because I've got. Okay, that. well we're not going to rush reviews because we're in a no. different studio oh, in good. a different slot. Hence the bass filter. Hopefully gone from my voice. I don't really know because it's not really coming through should we move on to reviews yes Yes. let's do the reviews let's do the reviews and first up this week we have mammals 
which is James Corden as a happily married man who goes for a mini break with his happily pregnant wife, only for his entire existence to dissolve around him. Now, there is a lot to take in with this one, and it should absolutely come with, I think, a strong trigger warning for heavy text speak and rampant grammatical liberties taken over WhatsApp. But look, assuming you can get past that particularly upsetting scene, Kay, were you mad for mammals? Do you know what? At first, I was not, because I found it very hard to begin with to kind of separate James Corden, the guy from the actor, because when he was talking, I was like, oh, okay, James Corden's saying some lines. It just, it it felt really like, do you know what I mean? I wasn't convinced by his character. It just felt like, I know that sounds mad. Because he's a personality almost first now. That's the thing, right? So it felt like I was watching his talk, you know, he was just saying some stuff at me. And then something happens to his character of Jamie and the wind is taken out of his sails and his ebullience just seeps away. And then he became more like, for me, became the character. I don't know. It's hard to explain. No, I know. know Do you get it? So so, um, and then I became, uh, he was more convincing to me. And I did then really enjoy it. I have to say, I've watched about four episodes. Mm, Take that. Same way, only watch one episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I and I thought it was a really interesting sort of dissection of a relationship where the power balance is so off, and you know it's all about the secrets and lies that are within a couple. And yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. There's a really, this is a spoiler, but I'm not. It's a, there's a good cameo, a surprising cameo, which I found uh, to be very amusing in the and, first few minutes. You mean. Yes, yeah. That's and, an so that's an interesting spoiler point, isn't it? I was going to mention this, discuss mm. this, because so is this? I've read a lot of reviews of this show, which have given away who the who the cameo is, right? And which is in the very first, well, pretty much the very first scene. Mm. Uh, I chose not to reveal the name of the person in my review. Boy, it's grown as a person. I've uh, grown as a person, exactly. <laughs> He's learned. But what do you do? You, do you th- so you think is a spoiler enough? Even though it's in the very first scene, because it's a nice moment. That's in, that's yeah. in the secondary one I was talking about. So it would kind of spoil a, a nice surprise moment, but it doesn't affect the whole gist of the show. And also, you're not going to be looking out for. I, I don't think that's a spoiler, really. To say right. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a cameo. I think giving away the the, the yeah, obviously, the which I have. People have though. People they in reviews, have, they yeah. have because anyway. they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. There we go. Um, so yes, I really enjoyed this, and I thought there were some really good. Uh, rug pull moments and I particularly liked Jamie's sister Lou played by yes. Sally Hawkins yes. I just thought she was really in such an interesting character you know she's so disenchanted with her life and she becomes weirdly sort of quite obsessed with Coco Chanel and and her life and I just thought she was a really interesting offbeat character that um, piqued my interest so I did enjoy it yeah I thought it was really good yeah we should say it's written by Jez Butterworth Mm -hmm. the um, very acclaimed playwright the excellent playwright who was also involved in the creation of that um, Roman Britannia Mm. on Sky which is a mad mad show I quite like that probably batshit probably batshit he created that with his brother I believe and you know they met James Corden and Jez Butterworth met at the Met Ball in New so York. fancy, yeah, and it, they turn out they're both from like they live pretty much their families live, live like about a street away or something in in whichever bit of London they're from. But they met them at the and they hit it off. And James Corden said, "I love your plays," blah blah blah, and he said, "Oh, you know, I think you're very funny." And they they create they kind of came together to do this this um, show. I think it's fantastic. I think Jess Butterworth is it just shows you getting someone who is quite has, Jess Butterworth. If you've seen his plays, he does have a quite a kind of idiosyncratic way of writing dialogue. Sometimes that isn't kind of it's like very heightened. It's kind of and characters do stuff that seems out of character sometimes. But mm. that's kind of the whole point of his stuff, I think, which is that you can't ever predict human behaviour, and and he's trying to get to the bottom. And this show, I think, mammals, as hinted by its title, 
is kind of asking, is, is you know, monogamy essential, an essential part of human nature? Probably not. You know, it's probably actually more natural for the opposite to, um, to happen. And the way that he, the way that there's an interesting kind of um, use of gender and male-female cliches and stereotypes in this without spoiling anything is, is fascinating. I think the way it explores that idea about monogamy. I think it's a reminder because that James Corden is a, is a fantastic actor. He just is, you know, going back to Gavin Stacey, all the stuff, you know, they met, he met Sally Hawkins on the set of All or Nothing, the Mike Lee film that was a brilliant, brilliant film. I mean, all, I'm a huge fan of Mike Lee. Mike Lee was at the screening I went to at the film festival, London Film Festival of this show, actually. He was in the audience. It was really nice to see. And Sally Hawkins and James Corden have become close, very close friends. They've been really good friends for 20 years. Mm. And when people start, everyone slags off. James Corden's been in the news a lot recently for various reasons. I think, sorry, just to say that, I think that's another reason why I found right. it hard when I was right. first watching it because I had all that yeah. noise. Yeah, exactly. But I, but as soon as you, like, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. As soon as you start watching the show, you completely forget about all that stuff because he's so good in it and his character is so interesting and what happens is so interesting. Mm. And as you say, her stuff, the whole thing about the Coco Chanel and that she's kind of, she's married to this perfectly lovely guy you know, sexy guy, but he's he's a bit of a kind of she's nerdy. bored of her life, she's bored which of her a lot life. of people will be able to relate. And that's to, the I'm way sure. that's depicted. I thought it has such a kind of light touch to that, and she mm. is uh, she is one of the great. Sally Hawkins it can absolutely do no wrong. Right she is as a human being and as an actress and everything. And the fact that they're best mates and that he is obviously a really good actor should should be more should be uppermost in people's minds rather than all those people who slag off everything he does. As I see on Twitter every day, there's like oh some other person slagging him off for being you know for whatever reason. But he's fun I mean there has been some genuine. Stuff. No, I know. I mean, oh, like, he's apologised. I'm not even. Yeah. I'm not even getting. I'm more like people actually. You, that, that whole people are like, oh, we could act, can he? And all that. Just, just right. like forget all about that stuff. He's, he's been acting for a for, while right. before he exactly. became a exactly. Yeah the, yeah, the church shows came after the acting. Yeah. The acting is what what made him what he is today. Going back to his Mike Lee and stage actor. He was, of course, know. yeah, one man to go was genius. Yeah. Anyway, this is a very long winded way of saying I really like this show, but it is all in the Jez Butterworthness of it, the mm -hmm. writing, because he's he brilliantly pulls the rope from under you. I love the flashback C episode, which I think is episode four, isn't yeah. it? When to his origins as a chef, because he is a opening a restaurant is one of the kind of underlying themes that carries on. I tell you, watch the last two episodes because the last episode is a has it's talking of rug pulls and brilliant finales. It's it's so interesting, fascinating. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's. I mean, I mean, this, spoiler alert: this is a really good week, but this is a really good show. <laughs> it, it, do you know what? I really liked it as well, and didn't really expect to, to be honest, from the from the premise. But I thought it was. I, mean, I won't lie; I alluded to this in the introduction, but the I have a real bugbear about grown human beings using text speak it really bugs the shit out of me i'm the kind of person who will drop a semicolon into a text message so it's just i couldn't be dealing with that and like that was genuinely i was like oh my god i can't look at the screen <laughs> that's the thing that that's got. the thing that i can't get that's over hilarious. it's like how, how i can't even think what no. I, I, I the moment was. But how much effort is it to just spell out the whole word rather than put CD for could and stuff like that? Just, yeah, just, but like just, people just aren't... A few extra not, letters. Come on. People are different you. to you, James. That's the, that's the point, I right? love the fact that this is the thing. I know, right? And I can't even yeah. think of the scene he's no, talking about. like, honestly, you know, would a comma murder you <sighs> every now and then? Oh, just, you're, you're crazy, man. Yeah. Just like, anyway, yeah. I'm just saying. Stop being fixated on that bit. Punctuate your text messages. But yeah, but it's really good. And I like the human drama of it. And and. I enjoyed the fact that the way he reacts to a situation is a million miles away from the way I would react to a situation. Mm. And 
I was almost like, what are you doing? Like, this is madness. But it's it's fascinating mm. showing how he, his unwillingness to accept the changes to his own reality and how mm. he takes steps to try. There's a level of desperation about it. That's Absolutely. Like, yeah. To try and exert control over something he doesn't have control over. But it's, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I don't really want to go into the details of why I liked it because I think we're kind of Yeah, the, the, less, show. Is a show, the less, the less you know, the better. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's no, true. I, yeah. I, but I think, I, think, I think this is a very good one. I just want to say, so, sorry, Melia Kraling plays Amandine, his wife, who she was phenomenal yeah. and Colin Morgan is the um hus- is the brother-in-law Sally Hawkins um husband who's also phenomenal the cast is just fantastic it is good and mammals then appears on Prime Video when Boydy Friday on the Friday. thingy what's it on Friday the thingy what's 11th? it of thingy <laughs> 11th, <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed next up and fresh from having garnered the ire of Dame Judi Dench the crown returns to our screens this week with Imelda Staunton taking the mantle of her match with Dominic West as then Prince Charles Elizabeth Debicki as a very tall lady die and yes Johnny Lee Miller inexplicably <laughs> as john major boyd is this a royal romp or a monarchial mess yeah johnny lee miller i mean first of all since you mentioned it <laughs> he's brilliant though i thought he was brilliant he's fantastic uh, the people who cast this show deserve all the award casting awards that casting now does get recognized and i bet they will win because you would have thought johnny right lee miller right but he's Brilliant. And you forget, yeah. I forgot within seconds that it's John Lee Miller. Because yeah. they're just about with using makeup, kind of make him a bit like John Major. And the mannerism. The mannerism, like, the voice. Yeah. But what he also does, more than that, he's a completely convincing version of that Prime Minister. And yet he kind of humanizes him. Yeah. Later on, I know I've watched all the episodes. So I've watched all ten fucking episodes of this series. Again, of the to crowd. the person who complained. I would like to point this <laughs> yes. out. So I mean, I I'm telling you now, I could talk about the show for about a few hours. So I won't because a James will get really annoyed because he doesn't really w- watch the See, crown. I'd be down for that. I'd like I to talk about You'd it. You'd be down with the crown. We'll yeah. do a special when we do a spoiler special. Okay, fine. Charge people money to listen to it, etc. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, but to, I have to say, to start with, I was slightly disappointed by this series. So bear in mind, I think Ooh. the last season was f- fantastic. I loved the last season, which was when the Thatcher, the whole Thatcher yeah. queen, Gillian Anderson, Gillian Anderson was was amazing. Um, I thought the whole um, the beginning of the Charles and Diana romance was fantastic. And to start with this series, which so this is the nineties, it's 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 grappling with, and you've got a lot to take in. I mean, this has to be the most eventful decade mm-hmm. in royal history for in this in Elizabeth, the late Elizabeth and her family's history, because you've got Annis Horribilis, mm. when lots of people things were going wrong. Yeah, fact fans. Lots of royal weddings were going wrong. <laughs> lots of royal marriages were going up the spout. Sarah Ferguson's toe gate. Do you remember that? Yep. Toe gate. Toe, toe sucking. Toe yeah. sucking. She was she was photographed being her having her toes sucked in. I mean, yeah. Now, was she? They yes. deal with this right it was on now. The they, front page. Yeah. yeah. Before or after Budgie the helicopter. <laughs> well, I think it was just about after. Which is a good question. <laughs> but the interesting is she's not barely in it at all, if at all. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, but yeah they do cover that story, which is an interesting creative decision and, and I don't know why that is the case but they definitely she's barely barely in it but they talk about Togate then there's that whole excruciating Charles and Camilla oh, phone call Tampon you know Gate Tampon Gate where yeah. they had this Tampon Gate I love the James, fact can I just on. say I love the fact that James <laughs> has no conception of recent history and, cu- and culture I know and I can tell you the Targaryen you. family You're, history yeah, but I can tell you nothing 
about the royal family. It's so brilliant how you've somehow avoided the news. Like, what were you so doing? So what's Tampon Gate? Tampon Gate. So Charles oh, had a phone call, a private phone call Shoot with Camilla yeah. while he was still married to Diana before sure. the divorce. About it's tampons. All dealt with in, 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 the, in the episode, in the series. And they had to kind of rude, it's basically like a sex chat between the two of them and included the idea of being a tampon. He wanted to be he, her tampon because he he'd yeah. love to be a, yeah. Put, yeah. Wow. I can't believe we're breaking this. This is live. <laughs> that, that is Spoiler wild. alert, James. <laughs> live breaking news for James. What is even more wild? His sex chat leaves a lot to be desired, I have to right. be honest with you. <laughs> what is even more wild, James, is that they recreate this phone call with an extended like montage of the two of them like oh, on God, their really? beds oh yeah and, and then they've explained it to the f- queen that happens the oh, whole thing God. yes but the, what's fascinating this genuinely right was um a, a an amateur radio what they call them like a nerdy what, radio, ham radio, ham radio mm. guy accidentally heard it how about then? It's absolutely true. What? And the way they depict the way, yeah, it was picked up by an amateur so they radio. They did it hand. over like a literal wireless. They did it over. No, they did a private phone call. It's just but, but, for pre pre uh, mobile phone. This yeah. was, you know, on a, a landlines. And, well, and an apparently, just accidentally yeah. tapped into yeah. it. Yeah. And they, they depict that and it's like, oh my God, that really happened. I Did remember they ever respond to it. In fact, yes. don't, don't tell well, me this because actually, yeah, I wonder, we're just in massive spoiler territory at the moment, even though it's the news. Well, this, but... again, it's the news, but I think. This can't... is not a spoiler, I don't think, because it is the news. So it's, it's a spoiler to me. Yeah, uh, it's a much... But then you've got the Panorama doc, uh, doc, uh, interview. Yeah. You know about uh, that, you know right? About that, right? <laughs> I'm familiar with what Panorama <laughs> is. Princess Diana's. Oh, oh, oh I, know, I know with Bashir. Yeah, Martin okay. Bashir. Yeah, Martin Bashir. Yeah, I know about that. Played by Prasanna Puanaraja, who is fantastic, by the way, as Martin Bashir. Again, the casting, astonishing. And um, we should say that. So in this in in this version, and by the way, Dominic West is Charles again. I was like, when I remember reading about his casting, the Dominic West, you know, he's just no, too he's Dominic West. Right. He's, he's so brilliant. good. He yeah. is brilliant. Elizabeth Debicki is phenomenal yeah. as Princess Diana. Again, you forget. Who she is? I mean, she is a very tall version, but um, it, you completely—it's like watching a documentary. Her scenes, I think, also, she's fantastic. Uh, Leslie Manville, Margaret, yeah. I thought was great. All brilliant, and Melda Staunton is is the new queen. Now, I, now again, to start with, I was slightly like, don't know I, whether she really—I I was slightly kind of disappointed, mm. slight by Melda Staunton. I remember texting your friends. I'm not sure if it Melda. Come on, is say? it a big deal? And I'm not going to yeah. say what it is. The yeah. very first scene of mm. this series. Yeah. I like that. Has a diff a returning actor. Yes, yes, it, yeah. I, I mean, won't spoil. It's that, a flashback. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a, quite a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's but brilliant how they did that. There's yeah. a whole there's a whole storyline. I think in the very first episode, of course, it would help if I took notes. Having watched all ten on what's in each episode, <laughs> but I haven't. <laughs> but, but very early on, the whole drama is revolving the fucking Royal Yacht Britannia. Mm. Right, and the queen's like moping around about, oh, they're going to take away your how beloved. entitled was all that how stuff? Yeah, right. yeah, I was yeah, a bit yeah. like, this does not put her in a good light, exactly. At all. But right. what was good about that is it allowed um, Johnny Lee Miller as John yeah. Major to, right. you know, you kind of that's I think what humanizes him. Sure, but you're meant. To, I I'm like Peter Morgan. Are you really meaning us to feel so for the her and the royals for their p- beloved royal yacht? They might, it might be decommissioned by I the government. I don't think it was that. I think it's just portraying a that was yeah, a big maybe. Bit of, you know, oh, well, I didn't give a shit about the royal. Bottom line, right? But once the royal yacht is out of the way, 
but basically, once I have to say, and as it goes on, Imelda Staunton is brilliant. There's an episode in which she has moments of quiet, shall we say, contemplation mm. that are really moving, and she's brilliant. So I, I completely did a. But what's quite interesting yeah. is where this begins. It's oh so topical because it's all about yeah. the, this famous article that's run in the Sunday Times, isn't it? Where yeah. they basically said Charles should be king, the Queen mm. should abdicate because she's out of touch, very Victorian, yeah. and it's all about you know sort of like him positioning himself. It's yeah. like oh maybe which, I could be king, which just goes through the whole series in fact and that's what's been really controversial because this has been already been all the papers have kicked up how dare they you know show the fact that but that article did appear they're trying to hide it from the queen which is quite entertaining yeah charles does there is a there are a lot of clashes between the queen and charles in this in this series for for those reasons and and you know people are like, oh how dare they jam i mean first but john major has come out and said that that was a barrel load of nonsense i know so people are questioning the the authenticity and the factual veracity of what peter morgan is hence the new here. disclaimer Hence the new disclaimer. Although interesting on the screeners that I received, the disclaimers are on the episodes. That was the no. disclaimer on I the trailer. I think it'll be on the finished. It'll be on the finished. Well, well I don't, it'd be interesting whether or not it is. But bottom line, it's an incredibly addictive, fascinating, endlessly fascinating show. And in the end, yes, there are things that he essentially did not happen, or he could not know if that happened. There's a scene, I'm going to do that to try and avoid the spoiler thing that was discussed earlier. Yeah. There's a Charles meets Diana scene in this that he could, it's literally just the two of them. So there's no way on God's earth he could know what, if that happened, how it happened, what they said to each other. But in the end, you know that. It doesn't matter. Of course, that's obvious, you know. But uh, this is still a brilliantly satisfying scene. And that happens a lot where there's things happen and you're kind of like, it's jaw dropping, but the general gist of it, is in quotes true like all those things i described all the breaking news for james today <laughs> those things are dramatized like the panorama thing how it happened and the behind the scenes detail is so interesting because i i did unlike you i did take an interest come out as well so, yeah, yeah i did take an interest in all this stuff when, when this was happening and i found it all fascinating at the time and now to to kind of relive it in this brilliantly done i think there's a genius to the way peter morgan does this stuff and i know he's making a lot of it up and he kind of you know and when put comes to shove he has to admit that but it is a drama obviously it's not a fucking documentary to use yeah, that phrase I think it is hard because it's a drama about real people yeah. I know I know and I think to a lot of people like, like, they'll watch this and they'll just accept it as here's my final point on this people get much more exercised about him daring to fictionalise this family than they do every other drama that's based on real people's lives. Mm. It happens every single week there's a drama based on real people's lives. But that doesn't make the front page, front of the but Daily you know Mail. I... There's no reason why this family should be treated differently when it comes to drama and they just have to suck it up. <laughs> well, a lot yeah. of people, and I'm not brilliant... one of them, but a lot of people would obviously disagree because they hold the royal family in a certain right. esteem. I don't, I, and I admit yeah. that, I don't. But, bottom line, as a as a work of art, as a work mm. of creativity, as yeah. a work of TV, yeah. it is so uh, just entertaining, entertaining, yeah, and so brilliantly done. And again, brilliantly cast. I'm using the word brilliant a lot. I love it. And so, I, I, but the, my, my narrative on this particular fifth most recent season, all ten episodes, is it was a little bit slow to start with, yeah. but the Charles and Diana stuff is just incendiary and brilliant and so interesting. Yeah, the Britannia stuff is slow yeah, stuff. Forget the Britannia. Uh, <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I just think, and they're not above having a drama made about them, but I think it's the timing of it, right? Because obviously with the Queen's death and Charles, you know, 
becoming king, it's there's a sensitivity around it that you can't avoid. You Are know, you saying they should have delayed the, delayed showing it? No, I just think the backlash is understandable. You That's, just got weather it, haven't you? Yeah, and mm. I but I also think especially because we're going into this era now of turmoil. The nineties was very you know tumultuous for the family. Plus, we're getting towards like the thing because I am going to watch it right, and I I will enjoy it and it's entertaining. However, the fact that we're creeping closer to Diana's death, it does make me feel uncomfortable. You know, it is an uncomfortable thing. Season six will cover the. Mm. I mean, that crash. will be the challenge, and yeah, and and that makes me yeah. feel a bit like yeah, you know. It's a little bit ick, uncomfortable, but will I watch it? Yes, I will. So I am a hypocrite ultimately, but yeah. So I think that's that's the reason why. The sense is because of the timing as well. I think if that had been in this series, that would have been a really difficult. But yeah, but it's not. That, that, that will yeah. be in the next series, yeah, just to say. But yeah, I mean, it's... How many episodes did you watch? Have you watched so far? So I actually only did one. Okay. Oh, one. that's fine. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was too busy, like, I mean, chowing down on mammals. As someone actually aware of what happened in recent history, you will very much enjoy it. Oh, it's it. fascinating. Yeah. It, all the char- And, like, in this uh, first episode, it's, like, Charles and Diana going on their, se- inverted commas, second honeymoon with the boys. Um, but also- with the boys? That's an extraordinary crossover that I hadn't seen coming. <laughs> Not the Amazon Prime video. <laughs> with, uh, Homelander. William, no, William, with William no. and Harry and also Charles's friends. But it's even it's just so fascinating why that happens and the fact that, you know, they're living in this, you know, paparazzi following them everywhere and them having to keep up the pretense when in fact both of them are miserable. So it is it is fascinating, like, you know. So what's that one before James gives his verdict? Did you did you bother to watch this, James, by the way? Of course I did. Oh, good, good. Yes, just, I'm just a fucking professional. Just checking. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole William William's in it a lot this series but Harry almost completely disappears for the whole thing and literally there are scenes where there's William and Charles or William and Diana and you're like Where, where's Harry Why who's looking that? after Harry what's, go- what's going on why it's have weird. they done that I don't know it's then, really isn't odd isn't this very common with the royals because I was reading when the Queen died I was reading some of the obituary stuff about how her parents would fuck off on holiday for like six months and leave yeah. her with oh, yeah, that's others true. yeah, and it's, yeah like, but it's weird that the what Har- parents um, do that but what yeah you're right yeah, I mean, it's that, weird to be that honest, William's there and not Harry though yeah that has been dramatised in the show to be fair that has, has been an issue Charles talking about how that how was affected by having absent yeah, yeah but, and then but, he went to but the, the weird thing school. about this series is William's in it a lot but Harry is, is just completely invisible I, it's just odd I liked the, there's, in the first episode there's a particular scene where Charles is being a bell end to Diana a little bit and the boys stick up for her yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a really touching moment and she thanks them afterwards for sort of having her back and being in her corner even though they're very very young at times yeah. but they can obviously see that she's being made to feel uncomfortable and so they kind of step in I thought that was lovely this lovely scene. But he was saying, I enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. And, and seeing the, the performances, and like I think Imelda Staunton gives a, a real sort of steely, kind of icy quality to mm. Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria? Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I, I promise I do know the Queen's name. <laughs> Brilliant. Are you sure? <laughs> Queen Victoria. Queen Is, you're, yeah. you're thinking about the Victoria effect, which yeah, is we, a, a theme. Which they talk about a lot. Yeah. But I say, but, but, but she gives, she gives, Don't help him out. she gives her madge a certain, a certain real sort of like steely side, mm. which I thought was quite interesting. They're but, such different actresses, aren't they? Melda Stone and Nivea Coleman, the last version yeah. of the Queen. That's what I, I think. That's what threw me to start with. I think they're just so different. But she seems harder in like, this one. I just feel like Olivia Coleman's version was like. I mean, they, they are kind of almost different characters. The way her, yeah, because it's different. Yeah, exactly. Because it's also like Melda Stoughton's character. You know, she's she's older. You like, know, she's weathered a lot more. No, as in like she's weathered a lot more. So her yeah. personality probably yeah. did. You know, yeah. she probably did get. Um, yeah, I'm just more saying steely. it took me time to get used to. It, I guess. I mean, frankly, if you'd weathered toe gate and tampon gate, you'd right. probably be all over the yeah. place. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least... Watch James yeah. Google it all now. Yeah, I'm going to Google tampon gate. I need to know all about this. This is extraordinary. <laughs> Be careful the search word, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's exactly. very, very true. Right, anyway, so that is The Crown Season 5. 
Yes. It's five. Yes, it is five. Okay, good. The Ground Season 5, which comes to Netflix on the November something. No, the 9th. The 9th of November. There I think you you're right, yes. There you go. The it 9th is. of November then for the Wednesday. Season five. Wednesday. Wednesday the 9th, yeah. Finally, finally this week, we have The English, which you've heard about, which sees Hugo Blick take Chasquez Spencer and Emily Blunt on what I can only describe as a Tarantino-esque tour of the Old West. Uh, Kay, please dispense some frontier justice to this no Boyd can't lead on this because he did the interview oh, so it's care. all you the rules this is all, those, the rules. Are my, those are my arbitrary rules that uh, oh, that no. I impose yeah what's the problem do it go oh, it's not that okay. complicated okay. Just okay. I know okay 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 alright wait a minute um, the English the English the English yeah okay I enjoyed this immensely I mean the word that and I said this in my preview for Heat the word that's well, how many stars is, did you give it in the preview I, I wanted to give it four and a half but four and a half unseen stars for the preview okay good <laughs> What? I've watched it, it, you cheeky shit. Yeah, what? Um, Anyway, the word that's overused is epic, but this is epic. It's like an ambitious six-part Western, as you say, um, written by Hugo Blick. And I just thought it's just so ambitious in terms of like the scope and the scenery. It's beautifully shot. Um, The action begins in 1890 in Oklahoma, and it's the formerly Native American land and there's basically about the deep tensions that exist between the Native Americans and uh, the Midwesterners and and Eli Whip, played by Chaske Spencer, is of at, Twilight fame. Yes, exactly, is at the centre of the hostility because he is um, uh, he was of Pawnee Nation by birth, so he's a Native American, but he fought for the American Army um, and he's quite revered, although also discriminated by by the fellow soldiers, and so he's you know obviously in the middle of this conflict, all he wants to do is get land that he deems he's entitled to because under this um, law created by Abraham Lincoln, anyone who's long-serving US soldier can get the land. And um, so that's his mission. And then he encounters Emily Blunt's character, Cornelia, who is just formidable. I love, she's my favourite. I mean, she's just brilliant. She is this formidable English woman who is on a mission of her own to avenge the killer of uh, the, the man who murdered her son. And it's about, you know, they first encounter each other when Eli is, you know, he's been, he's facing some Midwestern brutality, shall we say, and she's, she's confronted by it. And it's about, it's about their relationship and how ultimately she tries to convince him to help her with her mission because she's facing like more dangers than he does in the Midwest because, you know, they're very brutal there and a, a, a defenseless woman. But actually, this is what I love. She isn't that defenseless because actually she shows a resilience and a strength that is very empowering. And um, so, yeah, I just thought it was beautifully shot. That's it. Epic, I'd say. I'm, I'm not wrong. Like my whole thing from this first episode, Boydie mm. and Kay, both of you, is that it was super Tarantino-esque. Is um, this just me? Like I had really strong you know QT vibes from oh, this. That's interesting. I hadn't. I didn't think of that. That didn't come to mind. But, but it's also very. It's also very much within his style mm. and of style of writing. Um, Hugo Blick. That is, if you you know, if you've seen past Hugo Blick stuff, he does go for big, such as well Jerusalem. No, that's no. Butterworth. That right? was just Butterworth. Yeah, correct. So um, the Shadow Line, which I think is his I have masterpiece, seen that. Yes. yeah, with Mark Strong. Yeah, very stylized. Again, you know, kind of quite high, heightened um, dialogue, etc., yeah. and just beautiful. Every shot in that shot threw me. That did actually because I was expecting like a gritty Brit crime drama, oh, and it, for it to be yeah. very, very, you know, ex- like you know, verite based. Yeah, and it isn't. No, completely. No. Yeah. And I, I struggled. Yeah, with that. so I think he was doing heightened 
beautiful, poetic kind of spins on this kind of stuff, on violence. You know, the way the vi- the violence of this show is very much like the violence in that show. Mm. And I guess, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't think Tarantino is big, particularly influenced. I think it's just almost accidental. Yeah, but there's, you, a, yeah. there's a similarity and it's not right. just a Western setting, but there's like, there's a scene across a dinner table. And again, it just mm, has yeah. that, very Tarantino-y vibe where it's quite stylized, it's heightened, yeah. it's sort of reveling in the moment and the characters and the dialogue, in fact. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're yeah, if you're using Tarantino as a kind of, you know, indication of how cinematic yeah. and ambitious and striking and kind of entertaining it is, mm. I completely agree and with you. And sudden shocking violence yeah. and mm. a, a developments 100%. involving testicles. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> as I mentioned in my interview with them, with the three of them, though, like there's so many. Um, I'm trying to avoid the word bold, which which, which Kay's already deployed. <laughs> but um, there's so many incredibly outlandish moments within this six-part series. And the narrative decision-making is so unusual. For example, Rafe Spall, who is the incredible psychotic character in this thing, doesn't arrive till later in the series – you know, for a show that, you know, you, and there's I lots of different that. villains. Yeah, there are lots of different villains. I mean, we do, I mean, uh, in that very first episode, that, that table sequence you're talking about and another moment I alluded to in the interview again yeah. that is stunning in that opening episode involving Kieran Hines. Mm. There's Kieran Hines, there's Tom Hughes, there's Stephen Ray, there's Toby Jones. These are, these are all kind of like men that um, that have to deal with, like the two main characters have to deal with in this a kind of odyssey. It's like a, like a road movie with wagons. <laughs> and um, there's a shootout that happens. It's kind of like a sniper shootout thing that happens in another episode. I think it, I won't name the episode. James <laughs> warned me off yes. the spoilerific <laughs> potential well of but that, that is as brilliantly directed as a Quentin Tarantino shootout would yeah. be so we're in, in, you know an interesting comparison there I think Hugo Blick um, he writes directs and produces this stuff it's extraordinary the cast that he's got together Emily Bl- I think this is one of the the could be the role of her career so, I mean I know she's brilliant in everything she's fabulous she's, but she's so, so good brilliant in this, in this. Mm. and she gets to do everything she's taking re- she, she's on a revenge mission but she's also so falling in love clearly with Chasky Spencer's character, this kind of love that can never really the, the ultimate example of crossing cultural boundaries, you mm. know, um, and class and all of that. Can, there's the consequence of can this thing ever, whatever this thing is between them, can it ever, would it ever work, can it ever survive, etc. That's a constant thing bubbling along, as well as the amazing action set piece sequences that are brilliantly handled. I think this is just a phenomenal show, you know, it like every single minor character there's a character played by Nicola McAuliffe who used to be as a British actress she was in Surgical Spirit in the 80s and 90s it was just a sitcom on ITV and she plays this mad mad character and you'll know when you see her the, the the amazing the look her look and what's going on with her eyes you'll know when I see it that's all I'll say but like how did the, the fact they've cast Nicola McAuliffe as this role brilliant absolutely brilliant so yeah it's one of it's going to be I think it's one of the best shows of the year I'm saying it now the English. Did you James like, just raised did you the like it though? I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I I, I loved it. I loved it, and I, I didn't. Ex- well, I, it, it's not what I thought it would be. Again, mm. the same thing going into this. I, I I I thought it would be a fairly straightforward western. I thought in my head, I, I read the premise of it, and I thought, okay, I know who's in it. I know what this is going to be, and then very quickly was disabused of that notion. I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. The tone threw me, but also just like. The sequences of events, an incredibly shocking moment comes very early on. And I think exactly and, and just completely blindsides you. And you're like, I don't know where this is going. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is happening. But I found them both of those characters really compelling. Chesky Spencer and Emily Blunt, I found them both 
just incredibly compelling in very different ways. Like he has a certain edge and a chip on his shoulder, a well-earned chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and she has a real independent spirit to herself, like a steeliness to her, to her, which in that era, I think stands her apart from other people. And I think it's really, it, it, it's absolutely gripping yeah. from, from the get-go. Yeah. And the dinner sequence we mentioned, so tense, <sighs> so tense. Uh, and every line is loaded, mm. uh, and it's 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 beautifully written and exquisitely shot. It is lovely. Every shot is worth yeah. it. It's filmed in Spain, amazingly yes. stunning. It's Absolutely. a visual feast. Yeah. It's a visual. It's and, and let me tell you, visually spectacular. <laughs> let me tell you, it gets better as well. Because when when fucking I can't labour the point enough. When Rafe Spooler rises, yeah. oh my god, honestly, really you really good. I'm definitely going to watch the rest of this because uh, it was fabulous. So and it does. I believe it all arrives in one box set. It's, it's, it's mm. on BBC Two on Thursday. And but you can I think they're putting it all out in the iPods and you, it's I so addictive. Binge the English then you will, thou will binge it absolutely. What else is out, Boydie? What have we missed? Oh, good point, good question. I think the Quite main a few thing things, is I think. Uh, I, well, I think the main one is Warrior Nun season two. Yeah, oh, I I completely <laughs> forgotten oh, about gosh. Warrior Nun. Right, stop the podcast. We're Start. starting again. We're starting again. <laughs> Warrior Nun is back, and I'd forgotten about it. No, I hadn't actually completely forgotten. It was embargoed, or rather, no, it wasn't even embargoed. They just didn't make preview screenings available no they just there are no previous no. screenings for warrior nun season two so yeah. we were not able well, if you to remember warrior nun, warrior nun season one that we reviewed in high excitement kind of just arrived without much yeah. warning we just kind of cottoned onto it didn't we yeah. i don't think it was ever we but i'm i'm yeah. stoked for warrior nun season yes. two but yeah we can we can see thursday it maybe that's my new winks it'll just i'll go yeah. back to warrior nun and warrior nun will keep you busy the weekend because it yeah. arrives on thursday and we'll yeah absolutely that's exciting yeah uh, i don't think there's that much else there's mythic quest is back oh uh, okay yeah, uh, right. on uh friday the 11th on yeah. apple tv plus yeah good show good show comedy there is save our score with david beckham James, which is a yes. Disney Plus, following on from the triumph of the Welsh football program. Welcome to Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham. This is David Beckham. It's very enjoyable, to help. actually. I yeah, School Kids, episode. isn't he? Yeah. Kay's watched it, yeah. I believe. It's very enjoyable. Kay snubbed the screening where David Beckham was there with Victoria and the whole family. I don't I want him to cause a scene. deeply regretting it now. <laughs> um, uh, but that presumably is, has all the production values of the of a top mm. Disney Plus yeah, show. Yeah, definitely. Never watching it. No, of course not. But it's quite a big deal in the real world. Why um, open your mind? Yeah, yeah. exactly. The World Cup's coming soon, by the way, James. It's well, wasn't that either. It better not fucking move my stuff around. Like, I hate it when sporting events come, and then it's like it's always sci-fi. It's always sci-fi that gets moved to sporting events. Assume it will, James. They pick genre shows and <laughs> boot them off the schedule. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. Listen, it's, yeah. if it's affecting my Strictly, it's going to affect your shit as well. I mean, I care less about Strictly, but uh, sure. I think that's, <laughs> is that it? I think that's it, pretty much. Yeah. What is our pick of this particular week? Oh, I mean, what this a is week. a tough one. It's, it's a, a brilliant week. week, but it's got to be the English. For me. It is the English for me as well. Uh, for me, I'm going to say the Crown. Oh, mm. Mm, the Crown then. Okay, well, that is it for this week's show. As ever, I come to you cap in hand, entreating you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Big thanks to Jennifer Sue Walters, CCJ Ward, Richard Peachy, Benji Geekboy, and everyone else who did shower us with stars over the last week. Until Elon Musk drives us all away, you can find us on Twitter, <laughs> at PilotTVPod, at James C. Dyer, at K. Ribera, and at Boyd Hilton. Although you might be better off finding us on Instagram before too long. On next week's show, as we alluded to at the top of this show, we have... Sylvester fucking Stallone here. Unbelievable. That's Whoa. right. The man himself will be here talking all things Tulsa King, which comes to Paramount Plus. Uh, and we might get into, I don't know, what, 1899? We'll probably watch that. The new season of Yellowstone, interestingly, arrives as well, which might be the perfect time for us to finally make a long overdue effort to get into that show, which I know a lot of listeners really think we should. And after all, it seems like, I don't know, I might have a little bit of a free time now that they've taken my fairies away. Get over it. Bastards. Aww. Pilot out.